Okay, we're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Solari Report. This is part two of the second quarter 2021 wrap up with Dr. Joseph Farrow. We had a great conversation in part one. Part two is really a doozy if you see, because uh, we're going to get into science and culture and space. Oh my God. So Joseph, welcome to the Solari Report. Thanks for having me back. I want to remind everybody uh, in the commentary on the homepage, there's a link to the web presentation. Each uh, wrap up we do, we build it on, on a special web presentation and we'll be working from the part two stories. Uh, the News Trends and Stories team does an incredible job going through all the headlines that we collect throughout the um, the quarter, and you can see them in the News Trends and Stories section on the website. I'm just going to share the screen. And if you go to the presentation, we have, you can link to it again from the commentary. We have, uh, we're going to cover culture. We've got three stories in culture, science and technology, two, there's space, two in space, and then food and health. That's the big one, Joseph. And we have a table press of all the biggest headlines or all the most important headlines we pulled out in support of these stories. And you can manipulate that dynamically. It's quite fun to play with. And again, our goal is if you can only listen to Joseph and I chew through the news trends and stories, uh, you know, you will understand what's going on better than most people on the planet. So that's our goal. And, um, we talked uh, a lot about the going direct reset last week. And then we talked about the sort of shift to the multipolar world. The, as you know, Joseph, uh, I think it's the going direct reset that's driving the train. It's a re-engineering of the governance system and the financial system. Um, but it pops out everywhere. And it's if you've taught us, you know, ultimately the, this fight will be won in, or lost in the spiritual and cultural realm. Mm -hmm. So that's where, at first, we've got to find our power. So I'm glad we're going to talk about that tonight. Any thoughts about part one before we dive in? Let's dive in. Okay. I, culture. Think, I think this will clarify part one quite a bit. Oh, yes. Culture. Story number 11, the war on God. Hmm. Over to you. <laughs> I, you know, I think this is about whether or not you resonate with the divine or you resonate with the machine. And Mr. Oh. Global wants you in the machine. This is a slavery system. Yep. And, yep. you know, freedom requires a, I believe, an intimate connection with the divine. You've got to be plugged into the wisdom of the universe and you have to resonate with all living things. Yep. So there's a real war between high tech, tech, you know, can high tech technology talk us, poison us and talk us out of the divine? That's the question. Well, one of the interesting things that I've noted, I don't know about you, um, is if you read Mr. Global only, the, the technocrats and, and the transhumanists and so on, do you notice how little if any, they ever talk about animals. You know, you've pointed that out to me before, and you're right. Mm -hmm. It's it's mm -hmm. very strange. Mm -hmm. There's no place for them. There's no place for them. 
other than as you know guinea pigs for science experiments and miscegenation and all the other chimerical things they want to do i to me to me that's a key part of it because i think i think if you're going to to claim to resonate with god and you don't have any place for the stewardship of animals in that then you're talking you're talking the machine game writ large right. uh you know well they, it's very they funny they this. they talk about the brain like it's a computer and the body like yeah. it's a machine and yeah. it's the strangest thing yeah but they they talk about humans the way that you know the 19th and 18th century talked about animals you know animals are just kind of a, a living machine right and you know in essence what they've what they've done is is they're reducing humans to the way they view animals and, livestock. uh yeah livestock exactly livestock well but they they also see you know i i keep referring back to Ulrich goniger just published medical nanobots one and two and mm -hmm. had this very interesting video of a professor from Tufts talking about how you can manipulate the physical body of a living thing by mani right. manipulating the electromagnetic field, a.k.a. the epigenetics. Right. And so they have to know that the electromagnetic field exists if they're going to manipulate it. Um, but it's almost as though they're missing a whole piece they they have no concept of what life really is or how it works no they don't and and this idea of manipulation of the electromagnetics i, I mentioned this before we started recording i think a lot of this goes back to that soviet era research in, right. in the 1970s right, right. where Definitely. where the soviets discovered that there were particular electromagnetic signatures that certain diseases gave off and there's also an electromagnetic signature for healthy cells. Right. And they discovered that if you if you can modulate that signal on a beam and beam it at something, you can create that disease or conversely create the, the healthy condition. Right. So, you know, you're dealing with something that in in a way is is not all that material that is responsible for a lot of this stuff. And I think that's where a lot of it's coming from. I agree with you. The other thing is if, if you study Tesla uh, mm -hmm. and you study Rife, particularly Royal Rife. Oh, Rife, absolutely. There's yeah. no reason for our medical system to be expensive. No, there really isn't. We have the knowledge and technology to have a very economic medical system. Well, look what they did. Look what they did to Rife. It's frightening. Uh, yeah, if 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 you're listening to this, folks, and you don't know the name Royal Raymond Rife, uh, he was a doctor um, and claimed to have invented a microscope that allowed him to see viruses in their living state, and that that's in part what got him into trouble. But the other thing that got him into trouble was he was trying to treat people with this kind of electromagnetic and acoustic template of energy on diseased and healthy cells and was getting some amazing results and amazing course, results yeah and they just shut him down they they uh took away his his license to practice they confiscated his microscope and who knows where it is now right they stole everything uh, they stole everything from him 
everything right. to shut him down so that we can, you know, have our injections. <laughs> okay. Uh, we keep burning down churches. That's the frightening yeah. thing. Um, you continue to see stories. So I think one of my favorite stories of the last year was a group of people who were denied entrance to their church because of the COVID-19 restrictions decided to have a worship service in the in the parking lot of their church. And the police told them and came and told them they had to disperse. And they said, no, we're having a worship protest. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the police left and let them stay because... It was all okay because it was a protest. <laughs> but I, I would say this. I remember one friend of mine telling me that if you could start a church for ex-Catholic you know, church members would be the biggest church in the world. I feel as though the churches of the world let their membership down over the last year. Oh, yes. You know, they showed Usually. no faith in, in the divine. None. It, to me, Catherine, it's part of the phenomenon that I've, I've mentioned many times on your wrap-ups that people really have to wrap their heads around. And it's, it's difficult because, again, people are having to surrender an institutional connection that they have been brought up with to right. believe in. Right. But basically, you have to understand that every single organized denomination within Christianity, bar none, has been infiltrated and co-opted by people that do not subscribe personally right. to right. the articles of faith of whatever denomination they're in. Right. That's true. And if if you can't wrap your mind around that, then then you won't understand why the churches are so lackluster. Uh, so, but I think what's very important is each of us take a deep breath, mm -hmm. and you know I think to a certain extent you have to forgive. Right. You know you have to forgive the churches. They were part of the red button problem, like all of us. Right. And then you have to believe that we can create new churches, new institutions, new circles, new networks. We can find like-minded right. people. The, the world is full of friends, and we need to create something that has integrity. Well, the, that's the flip side of, of what I was talking about, because mm -hmm. you also have to understand that every single church denomination has some form of either underground church or organized resistance right in other words um i i go back to my episcopalian days um you know i was i was there when the episcopal church took the nosedive off the cliff and almost immediately there was a reaction of parishes around the country that simply pulled out of the denomination contacted a bunch of people that, to make their own bishops and and got all that done now, many of them lost their church property in the process. Right. But, you know, uh, which left the Episcopal Church with lots of empty buildings. Right. Uh, so that's the other thing to remember. There are traditionalist groups in every single church out there. Not all of them are um, sane, <laughs> let's put it that way, because you, you can get on the what I call the purity spiral. Right. But but many of them are not and and they're relatively sane and, and traditional in their practice so those are out there too you just have to spend a little bit of time 
and be willing to ask some hard questions and, and be able to discern the answers that you're getting. But all of them are in this. And the COVID thing, uh, I think Catherine did more to expose that to a lot of people than anything in the previous 60 or so years as far as the church is You mean true. exposing the hypocrisy of the churches? The hip right, right. The good, yeah, the good news is, for me, I find, uh, you know, I feel a lot less alone in the wilderness because yeah. you have many, many brave, capable people right. now saying, you know, I have to do, I have to separate from these institutions. Right. They don't have integrity. Okay, so let's right. turn to story number 12. Story number 12 is BLM and other genocide cover stories because... <laughs> On one hand, what we're watching with the Great Poisoning, with the Going Direct Reset, you know, we're watching a series of actions which I would describe, you know, as killing millions of people intentionally. You know, however you want to describe this legally, whether it's murder or genocide, you know, this is very, very ugly. And it's being mm -hmm. covered, you know, the Shriekometer has never been more innovative and creative and coming up with um, these stories to basically overwhelm mm -hmm. the, the facts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I told you in part one, on one hand, we see 60% of the African-American businesses shut down shut in down. America in a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, to me, that's economic genocide. I mean, do you know how yes. many people you kill when you destroy that many businesses? And at the same time, we have... BLM uh, closing the year with apparently an 80 million cash balance, according to Junius Ricardo Stanton, you know, and rolling in dough and running mm -hmm. around the country and irritating everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and what's tragic about it is I can't tell you how many people I run into who are not African-American who think that the African-American community is getting tremendous advantages because of BLM when in fact it's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. It's 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 creating it's creating a bad name number 1. And the problem the problem as I see it is that what's really going on as I mentioned before is a significant portion of the African American community is not taking the vaccine well they know they, they know. know they know they know and that to me Catherine I, I there's no other words I can put on it other than eugenics right you know the this push for vaccines um you have down here the cancel culture's address rehearsal for mass murder and that's exactly what I think it is right no, because it's the same sort of propaganda that was used by the Nazis against the Jews and so on. Um, and in fact, you can go and look at some of those propaganda films where the Jews are portrayed as disease carriers, right. rodents, right. quite literally. Right. And, you know, they're prepping this narrative now. And that's, that I find very disturbing because in a certain sense, you're, you're killing or, or advocating the killing of the very segment of the population that didn't lose its mind right. over all of this. Right. But as a control group, they're a threat. As a control group, they're a threat. Absolutely. Right. right. So, um, so 
I'm afraid this is going to get much worse. I am too. And it's, uh, it's because you're seeing, we are now seeing variants being used as the, as the excuse or the cover right. up for vaccine injury. Yeah. So people exactly. are getting sick and dying from the vaccinations and they're, they're saying it's a new variant of COVID. It's a new variant. Yes, right. exactly. Right. And there goes my canine home security unit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on out there. Hang on just a second. No, no, Shiloh, it's okay. The other thing that bothers me about this is I've heard not true these stories are, but, you know, in this culture and climate of fear, this is the sort of stuff people start talking about, is I've heard people seriously proposing, well, let's just round up all the non-vaccinated people and put them on reservations. You know, so in other words, they're creating this climate where you've got the the vaxxed people and the non-vaxxed people and the non-vaxxed people are going to be less than the ordinary citizen because of that. So they, they require special treatment in special places. So, you know, it's, it's a segregation narrative all over again. Right. But it go it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Take this screen share. It goes both ways because, um, you know, there have been many efforts to scare the unvaccinated against the vaccinated. Yeah. And I just think, um, I told you in part one, the number one cause of death, I think, in illness right now is fear. I mean, yeah. fear is just causing unbelievable problems. And it's funny, you know, I have, because of my unique experience, when the pandemic started, I knew it was a joke. I knew it was a fraud. Mm -hmm. I just assumed it was a fraud and I'm used to knowing something's a fraud and not being able to, you know, persuade many other people that it's, and I just have to turtle through mm -hmm. and they believe it's real and I know it's a fraud and you just have to turtle through until they understand, until they wake up. Until they wake up. And in the meantime, if you can help them, great, but you watch them in their various states of fear. And it's funny, occasionally I'm reminded that people are afraid, but since I'm busy and I never notice, you know, I realize what a luxury it is to not be afraid. And, and I'm not afraid just because of all the training and experience I've had. And I know it's just a, you know, the fraud, unfortunately, is that big and that bad. Well, one and, thing that, one thing that people need to, to latch onto are all the stories and you can go look them up of doctors refusing to see vaccinated people. Right. And they're out there. Right. Uh, and and that I think is is again it's a trend that you never hear reported in the lamestream propertainment media, but they're out there. You know the fact that they're not reporting adverse events and so on, or you know, made a little bow to them, but basically that's all they did, and life goes on. Just take the time to examine some of the alternative uh, reporting out there and you'll quickly discover it's not all hunky-dory and you have doctors refusing to see vaccinated people because, again, of this fear of what they're calling shedding. Um, and I'm with you, Catherine. I think, I think this business of the new variant <laughs> is their cover story so, for adverse reactions. So here's something. I've been waiting to ask you this. Because your big brain can figure this out. Why are they calling the new variant Delta? I, 
I have no idea. The, the first thing that comes to my mind, Catherine, is delta is the mathematical uh, symbol that they use for a change in the system. Mm -hmm. Right. So in, and, in investment, it's the the delta is the increase in value you can add right. by inserting right. whatever the process is. Yeah. In physics, it's a change a change in the system state of a system. Right. So delta, a delta T function is, is a time function that applies to a system. Right. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, they've, they've wired this in so that now they can claim that anything that happens by way of an adverse reaction is simply the virus mutating and you have a change in the system. And, you know, to me, Catherine, it's a big scam. It's another big scam that they're trying to pull. Yeah, we're, seeing, we're seeing right now in Israel the Delta variant uh, being reported in the vaccine people, the people that took the vaccine in right. Israel, and it's going, it's going off the charts. And I'm thinking, well, gosh, maybe there's a correlation there, huh? Right. You know, I, I was stunned at what happened in Israel. Israel took the yeah. worst brunt of this whole thing. Yeah. And who would have ever believed that that would be the case? I, I, I wouldn't, you know, for one thing, where, again, we're talking about the churches, where were the rabbis to point out that these vaccines may not even be acceptable under, under kosher laws? Right. How you can know, they where, possibly, where they? how, can they, how possibly, can they possibly be? Right. You know, some of these things, I've, I, I don't know how true they are, but I've seen reports that you have aborted fetal tissue cells in some of these things. Right. And I think, okay, where, where are the rabbis? Where was the Pope? Yeah, but it, it's not just that you have aborted fetal tissues. You don't have full disclosure. Right. Right. How can something be kosher if it's a mystery? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it makes no sense to me. So, you know, there's, there's, there's something going on vis-a-vis -vis the vaccines and, and the churches, and I'm using churches inclusive of synagogues and so on. Uh, how, can it, how can that be unless you've, you've so hollowed out the clergy in those institutions to get them to go along with it? Uh, you know, it's a mystery. Well, it's a control file. And it's a you control know, file, I yeah. think one of the amazing things about the digital systems and that Israelis are at the heart of this is getting the control files through digital surveillance mechanisms. And yeah. let's face it, from, from the mid-80s onward, as soon as they had promise, they were off and running. They were and off I, and running, I, yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the missing money happened after they installed Windows 95. And yeah. I'm told they did a special series for the government. I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I think between pornography and Windows 95... You know, mm -hmm. you had a way to get a control file on every civil, not every civil servant, but almost every civil servant in the government. Yeah. And that's what they did. And between backdoors and Windows 95 and the control files, there you go. $21 trillion sucked right out. Well, just stop, just stop and, and think of those digital control files and their potential relationship to things like the Franklin scandal and so on right. and so forth. I, I think. You know, you're on to it there. Absolutely. I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, Kemp was being blackmailed by Cuomo on the Franklin cover-up. I wrote Kemp? up that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wrote up that story, and it's in my... So so I'll tell you, too. Let's let's dive into mortgage fraud pedophilia while we're into genocide oh, cover geez. stories. So, 
Kemp, I come down into Kemp's office and, and Kemp and his team have been screaming about the scandals going on in Reagan. It was called the HUD scandals and they were all furious and getting big headlines on how scandalous the Reagan administration had been because they were giving grants without going through a competitive process, which was not legal. Anyway, so Kemp calls me into his office one day and, and a couple of the other appointees are standing around. He's in a state of complete panic and terror. And he says, I want you to give um, uh, this grant to this, you know, to this agency in New York. And, you know, in a way that is in a violation of not only the, the competitive bid laws and process <laughs> that we've promised that we're going to do, but it's in violation of the, anti, uh, uh, the Anti-Deficiency Act because we're out of money for the year. And to promise next year's appropriations is a violation of the Anti-Deficiency Act. So I said, you know, Mr. Secretary, I can't do that. That's illegal. And besides, you're on TV saying you'll never do this. And you know, the guy who runs this unit is a big Democrat and don't think he's not going to, you know, tell on you. Right. We, we can't do this. And he just says, you have to. I said, OK, let me see what I can figure out. I'm thinking. So I go downstairs and I have this assistant general deputy who is pretty savvy in the ways of Washington. And he says, he comes up to me, he says, you got to be really careful. I said, why do I have to be really careful? He said, you know, he said, Kemp is, uh, you know, there's some really dirty stuff on Kemp. I said, everybody knows about the rumors of Kemp's ACDC, this kind of, he said, no, I'm not talking about that. It's much worse. I said, sheep? He says, no, it's much worse, which of course means pedophilia. I said, oh God. Okay. Anyway, so oh, one wow. thing, one thing leads to another. And, uh, the next thing, I'm going out on a field trip, and I get a call from one of my deputies who says that, that, that he's gotten the undersecretary, he's a D'Amato guy, to, to pull everybody up in his office so he can figure out how to engineer this grant to the New York agency for Andrew Cuomo's homeless project. Oh, no. And yeah, so, so, so they get it all done, and the undersecretary calls the guy running the, the agency gets it done, and then he calls Cuomo and says in Italian, they're both Italian, you know, it's done. And all my deputies are sitting there. Oh, my. So I'm out of town. So I pick up the phone, call the general counsel, who's not my favorite person. But I said, look, I said, Frank, we got a 100% chance that this is going to get to the papers. Yeah. You know, you've got to cancel this now. Yeah. And... And uh, so he does. And it turns out it was for Andrew Cuomo's homeless project. And Kemp was being, clearly was being blocked. I've never seen a man more afraid. And that story is up on the blog. And when, when Cuomo came in as secretary at HUD, everybody said he was going to get me for that. Now, I, I don't think that's what happened. You know, I think, I think it was a much bigger fight. You know, mm -hmm. you, had, you had the intelligence agencies and a variety of players like Harvard Corporation taking billions out of the back door. So this was about, you know, being able to go back to taking billions out of the back door. But yes. it was clear that, that, you that know, there was a control file that had been used. Well, oh. I it was, it was when Kent, that, that week was literally the week that the Washington times had the front page story on, you know, on call boys being taken over to the white house.
Yeah, I remember that. And it wasn't until I read Franklin Coverup that I realized that Jack was totally implicated. Now, if I'd been reading the paper oh, instead wow. of... I was working 18 hours a day, so I never saw the Washington Times headline until later. And I didn't realize the Franklin Coverup had blown. Oh, wow. But I'll tell you another one. If you go into the website, there's a... For subscribers only, you have to be logged in the library. There's a history of sort of Buffett's investment performance. And I'll tell you what I think the number one contributor to Buffett's investment performance was. He bought a paper in Buffalo. No, where was it? He bought, Yeah, it was a paper in Buffalo, but he used the paper in Buffalo to do a complete outing of Boys Town and their management of their endowment. Yeah. And my question on that one, is that where Buffett got a hold of the Boys Town boys? Because that was the basis of the Franklin cover-up. Yep. You know, that's where all the call boys came from. Or a lot yep. of, I shouldn't say all a of lot them. Of them a lot of them came from Boys, Boys Town. Yep. From Boys Town. Anyway, yeah. so so go in and, and check in the library on my, my different well, books. Well, if you read uh, John DeCamp's book and, and Nick Bryant's books on, on the Franklin scandal, they mentioned Buffett's influence over the uh, Omaha newspaper. I forget what the name of it is. This came out of the Buffalo uh, paper. Didn't I know. It, yeah, I know. But but they they implicate Buffett in trying to help suppress the story. So right. it wouldn't surprise me that he's uh, doing double duty through another newspaper and claiming to break the story while papering over. Well, it other was a things, different story. So he he wasn't breaking the Franklin cover up. He was breaking. The endowment, it was really right, an endowment cancel. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's how he got his hooks into Boys Town. That could be. Or somebody got their hooks in. Well, yeah, absolutely. And his payback for that was getting promoted to the Washington Post investor and board member. Unreal. You know, he was the paper boy for the Washington Post when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway. Yep. So, you know, it's so funny because if you look at how the world really works, you know, the idea that these guys worked hard and rose. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't believed the robber baron stories since I was a kid, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, it's like the I, rocket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that story about your dad, dad not understanding what you meant about the rocket. Well, well, yeah, he, <laughs> he understood. He just kind of grunted, but it's <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Anyway. So, uh, you know, I do get a feeling in the way that this has come down with COVID-19 that the, the Pizzagate stories really scared them. Oh, yes. I do too. They not only scared them, but then, uh, what was it? Not just not even a full year after Trump was in office, he came out with that executive order about the human trafficking. Uh, and I think it was those two things that really scared them. And if there was anything that may have cemented their opposition to Trump, that may have been it. Well, what they're doing with with the COVID-19 or what they're doing through the health ministries is they're basically saying, I think we reserve the right to tell you what genetics you can give birth to, mm -hmm. whether or not you can give birth. Mm -hmm. And we reserve the right to legally own and control the children. Yep. 
That's exactly what they're up you to. Know, right. We can come into your house and take them out. Mm -hmm. You know, we can use them for adrenal chrome or whatever we want. So and we can we can give them uh, full protection for minors to consent to taking the vaccine without their parents involved, you know, which, of course, is nonsense. But that's what they're trying. Right. But the consent for 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 injections will be the first of many different consents. Yep. What was it? Finland just announced that, you know, down mm -hmm. to 11, I think. Yep. Sex with an you know eleven or older was okay if it was if the eleven if it was consensual. Yeah. Oh, I know. Okay, uh, which brings us to story number thirteen: the war on <laughs> sex, family, and childbirth. <laughs> did well, you see? Did you see that story of them saying you could grow your child in an incubator that sat in the living room? Yes, I did, and that's the objective. They want to. They want to have control over not only how many children you have, but how you get them. I, I'm fully convinced of that. But I'm how can a child's electromagnetic field, and spirit and consciousness grow in a mechanical incubator? Bingo, bingo, bingo. I've never told anyone this. I'm one of these people that has memories of being in the womb. Uh huh. I do. Wow. Yeah, I can remember uh, an episode where my parents were having an argument. Uh, you know, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Who, where are those voices coming from? You know, <laughs> no, That's I'm, fabulous. I'm, very, I'm very serious. You know, uh, Lee Marvin, the actor, was another uh -huh. one that that had those kinds of memories. And to me, I asked the same question: How can you expect to have a, a normal human child? Right without that connection to the mother, without that connection, you know, through the mother to your father, how is that possible? Right. You know, we're, we're not cattle, you know, we just aren't. And for that matter, just look at how animals protect and, and care for their young. I mean, even animals. So uh, to me, this is just, this is just nonsense. And we're, you know, the other thing, Catherine is, by doing these things, we are sexualizing children at a ridiculously young age. Right. Before before puberty, before adolescence, we're we're sexualizing children in their innocence. Right. And uh, this makes no sense to me because we're robbing we're robbing people of an essential component of of being human. Well, but I think I think the vision is that is that our intelligence will come from the AI, so we don't need any local intelligence. Well, yeah, but but tell me how AI is going to, to inculcate this basic common human morality. I don't think it will. It, it, it can't. Uh, it, it's going to be, if nothing else, it's going to be diabolical, and I mean that in the full sense of the word. But, you know, taking taking innocent kids and robbing them of of childhood and you know shoving them into adolescence years before it actually happens this is nonsense so so again one of the challenges i've had with communicating with other people who i would describe as freedom fighters yeah is they can't fathom that it's really this bad it is oh i know it is but but how do i help them fathom that it's really that bad you know what's interesting the people who've lived in eastern europe or mm -hmm. in totalitarian countries, 
They mm-hmm. have no problem. They get it totally. They're like, you know. Yeah. I've. N- uh, it's so much easier to work with them because they understand. Yeah, yeah. Totalitarian totalitarian ideologies are totalitarian. They want control over every aspect of of human life, including its cycles. Right. And. Uh, the, the one good thing that has come out of COVID are those parents who watch their kids on, on, online in the <laughs> online classrooms. And, and were absolutely appalled. Appalled. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's high time. I've been trying to beat this drum for years, Catherine, that, that the school system and teacher certification and all the claptrap they learn in so-called education courses are responsible for this mess. And thank goodness some parents are seeing it firsthand. Well, I'm curious to see how many people just leave the system in late August and September. I think it's going to be more than they bargained for. Because if, especially if, if, as you suspect, and I think you're right, they, they go full bore in the school systems. We, you have to assume they're going to get a full authorization FDA, and then mm-hmm. the schools are going to mandate, and they're going to try and push mm-hmm. down the consent age. Mm-hmm. And the dead yep. giveaway is the reversal they did on the WHO, you know, that the WHO had to do over the last week yep. that we talked about last week. So Yep, yep. It's going to happen, and and at that point, you know, I I think a lot of uh, a lot of parents are just going to tough up and and pull their kids out, and and I hope they do, right? Because this has got to. These are your kids; they're doing this to you, right? There will be no future. No, no. There will be no future. You know, it's time for me to have that uh, that movie again. What is it? Children of of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, science and technology. So now that we know science is completely out of control, <laughs> or I should say science and technology. Um, story number 14 is cyber warfare threats grow. <laughs> you know, now that Putin has given uh, been given a roadmap of where not to... Things not to attack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I sent you that, Catherine, and your response was that they they would have had to have proved this. And well, that's true, but I, I have to wonder, you know, Mr. Globaloni is also extremely stupid. And somewhere along the line, I can just see some expert, some some technocratic expert thinking that this was a good thing to do. Let Putin know that we're going to be real tough if you attack these things. <laughs> and that's not you how know, you tell someone like that's Putin. not how you tell, especially Putin, you know, come on, folks. You know, in other words, attack here, you know. <laughs> but, I don't get, I just don't get it. I well, just don't get it. Here's here's the problem this, about the cyber threats is is this upcoming exercise next month, this coming right. month, July, tomorrow. It's July 9th, isn't it? July. July 9th, cyber, cyber polygon, it's called. They're having a, a drill where they're going to simulate massive cyber attacks. And, you know, every time they say drill, I'm thinking 9-11. Let's let's nest the real operation inside the drill. Um, So here's what we're talking about today. We're recording on the 30th. Mm -hmm. And um, this is going to publish. So we published part one on the 8th, then Polygon is Friday the 9th. 
-huh. And then um, we're going to publish this on the 15th after Polygon has happened. So we'll know then. Yeah, but yeah. we're recording this before the... Cyber Polygon. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I would not be a bit surprised if there's going to be some sort of uh, operation that's dovetailed into the so-called drill. And Catherine, I would not be a bit surprised if they're going to blame it on Putin. You know, he's responsible for all the ills of the world. <laughs> you know, those never to be trusted, always Byzantine Russians, you know, <laughs> nothing would surprise me at this state. But again, the problem here is, is, as you've pointed out many, many, many times, there is no integrity to these cyber systems bar. Well, that's none. the that's the problem. You know, I don't know how to build. I don't know how to build things on on something that has no integrity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all use this stuff. We all have to use this stuff. But, you know, if you look at that's why I buy hard copy books. Yeah. Same here. Right. Exactly the same reason I, I've been against ebooks from the get go is, you know, you think the Soviet encyclopedia was bad. Just wait until they get their hooks into your book that right. you've right. you know, put out on ebooks. Right. But here's the other problem. I don't see how you can how you can rationalize a commitment to digital currencies and at the same time be talking about cyber polygon and drills and cyber attacks and so that's on. what's so funny on one hand you're saying you know yeah. the whole system could fall apart and be destroyed and right. on the other side we want you to move your whole life and all your money onto the system onto the system I've, you know i'm sorry that's that's not the way it works and it's either one or the other and i i'm with you these systems have no integrity they can be hacked i don't care what they are and how how blockchain is supposedly the end run around all of this stuff. Anything can be hacked. Well, you know, one of the things I just did an interview with Allison McDowell, which I've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, it was just going to be an interview that took a lot of reading and research because I needed to backtrack, you know, a lot of what she had done. But basically, and I think she's got it nailed. They want to put every human being on a blockchain and basically with, mm -hmm. you know, with an operating system in your body, they can com complete, take a complete record of your entire 24-7 existence. Right. Every aspect of your existence they can put on a blockchain, right. you know, and that is slavery. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. And when, you know, since when did they pass a law? allowing all of these companies to gather our private personal data. Right. You know, I don't recall one. Right. They never did. So, you know, they never did. They just assumed they have the right. I, and I don't think they do. And no, it needs I don't to be challenged. I, I completely agree. I call it the data beast. Yeah. The data beast. Okay. Story number 15. Uh, Mr. Global 3 for the financial digital system integrates mind control and surveillance. The more I learn about what's in the injection, to me, it's the sort oh. of last inch of the of the smart grid. Mm -hmm. But we're we are talking about a digital system that is doing both the financial transactions, but can simultaneously do surveillance and mind control. 
let's remember the the uh, patent that Bill Gates put out. I call him Bill, not Bill. Right. That that he put out. Let's not forget the work that Dr. Lieber at Harvard was involved in, uh-huh. and that is to couple vaccination systems with a surveillance system. Right. I mean, that's what they were focused on. Right. That's what they've taken patents out on. Right. And they're there. People can go look them up. So we're not talking, you know, uh, speculation at this point. They've they've done the research. They've taken out the patents on this stuff. So, you know, and now we're, we're hearing all of these stories about these little nano particles in the swabs for the PC test right. and on and on this goes. And I, I think that, that the whole thing has been designed to one way or the other through injections or the tests to get some of that stuff into people's systems so that they can start surveilling. And I, Catherine, I'm going to walk off the end of the twig here, but I also think that the 5G rollout is somehow connected. Absolutely. To Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, I just, everything in my, everything in my intuition tells me that this is, well, if you look at the the manipulation they're doing of, of animals in the lab with electromagnetic or electric electrical stimulation. And then you look at 5g relative to what's in the injection, what's in the food. You know, it is very interesting what's in the swab because I'm convinced the tests, the deep nasal tests are dangerous. Oh, I am too. And the masks are dangerous. So if only because you're cutting off people's oxygen. But, uh, you know, the problem we have now is you have to be very careful uh, where you buy stuff from because you have no idea what could be on it. Yep. I I don't know if you've ever read the stories of Amazon and the nano dust. <laughs> I have. Right. I have. Right. And I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I used to be of the mind that buying produce from Mexico was a bad idea. I'm not anymore. Right. Right. The deterioration in the food quality in the United States is absolutely. Is un, it's right. off the charts, Catherine. Right. It's off the charts. Right. Now, uh, pharmaceuticals, I, I, too. You know, the mm-hmm. all of our, a big portion of the ingredients come from China, and they be, don't begin to have quality controls. No. So there's absolutely, it, it totally changes the nature of what you buy and where you buy. You have to be very, very careful. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, the cha- I, I think the challenge for most subscribers and it's a challenge that I've always had, you've always had, and that is there are people who disappear into the official reality. Yes. And it becomes increasingly difficult to work or communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've found that has helped me tremendously is if I know somebody sort of disappeared into the official reality, I know I can love them and I can be responsive they ask me a question or they want my help, I can be responsive. But otherwise, I basically have to stay as far away from them as possible. Same here. Because Same here. nothing productive, it's, it's a question of bandwidth. We have, to, we have to use our time productively. 
right. whether we're having fun or we're working. And we need to have fun and work with people who we can get something accomplished with. And there's nothing to be done, you know, debating the official reality with someone. Right. Right. I, I'm in the same boat. All we all we can do is plant seeds. We can't win an argument. And we have to get that we have to get that operative principle drilled into our heads because right. um you know, some sometimes sometimes people will wake up, but they'll wake up on down the line from something that you may have said or suggested at at a point in time. And I, right. I've had that happen to me over and over again. And a lot of those people that are part of the official narrative, usually I've found that it takes one thing, and it may be something completely unexpected that wakes them up and gets them out of it. Um, I don't know what example to give other, you know, I'm thinking of my two McCarthy books on Senator McCarthy. And I've had people come and tell me that, you know, they, those things were an eye opener to them. Oh, that one was a was, big one. When you told me McCarthy was getting into Area 51, I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it just... <laughs> That was an eye opener for me too. Let me tell you, <laughs> but you know, it's it's little things like that that may wake people up. That that the narrative that they've been told and the actual reality are two different things, and it doesn't matter what it is, uh, but it can happen to a lot of those people. You just have to plant the seeds and just let them grow as they will. Okay, so so while we're on Mr. Global's three fur, Sophia hmm. Smallstorm has repeatedly put me onto the science and the ideas that that if you if you install an operating system in a human being you can store massive amounts of data on dna yes. and yes. you can use people as an energy source so yes. that if crypto is very or central bank digital or cbdc's are very energy demanding you can basically put the blockchain you know, so my blockchain with all my data can be on me. Mm -hmm. And guess who has a patent on that very thing? I, Using human DNA as data storage and energy. I thought that was Microsoft, wasn't it? Microsoft. Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. That's why if you come and look at my computer, you won't find any Microsoft software. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I am stuck with it as my operating system, but uh, I, I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you at all. Well, create but, an intention that you can evolve beyond it. Well, I hope so, eventually. <laughs> but. I don't know. You know, once in a while I have to download Skype to, to do an interview, but then I, then I wipe it off. One brilliant academic sent me something called the, is it the Cartagenic Protocols? That sounds the, vaguely familiar. There's a, uh, let me see if I can find this. It's a set of protocols that determine the the rules by which GMOs can cross borders. Did I do this right? The rules under which GMOs can cross borders. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Let me see if I can't find it. I'll send it to you later. But um, 
one of his questions was, is do we need vaccine passports because uh, the the um, the injections cause people to become GMOs? Makes sense. Because the reason it makes sense to me is, I don't know if you recall, a few years ago, there was a story that they were working on figuring out a way to put vaccines into GMOs. Remember that story? Uh-huh. Three or three or four years ago that that came out. So in other words, take the food supply and turn it into a blockchain data management surveillance system, an updatable vaccine, and so on and so forth. And there you are. You've you've completely corrupted the food supply, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't put it past them that if they're going to mandate vaccines, they're going to mandate things for your food supply as well. So you know. Well, here's the thing: once you let them get an all digital financial system, they can mandate everything. Everything, right? You're a slave, right. so they You're can mandate. Slave. And I think it's hard for people who've grown up in the G7 democracies to understand what that could be like. Uh, but don't worry, you'll be happy. <laughs> you'll all, you will all nothing until you'll be happy. happy. Yeah. Schwab has really blossomed into a creepy guy. It's quite remarkable. I, I call him Ernst Stavro Blow Schwab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, from... <laughs> <laughs> from... <laughs> From the James Bond movies, because you know he, he looks, he looks like, like it. He looks like it, yes, and he talks like it. Right, so it's really Nazi international back it's, here. Yes. Oh, don't okay. get me started. He's got some interesting connections in his background. So let me just show you. So we're we're moving on to space, and space story number sixteen, space is about controlling Earth, who controls. And <laughs> 17 is the Asian space programs are shifting global geopolitics. Yep. So let's just dive into 16. You rocked my world last week. Tell everybody about the NATO story. Well, NATO has come out and clarified Article 5, which is the NATO article that an attack on one country is essentially an attack on all. And they have clarified Article 5 to extend it into space so that NATO will respond to any attacks or provocations to, and these are the words in, in their uh, clarification, respond to any attacks to, from, or within space. Wow. Yeah. So that means if you're an Earth-based nation or power and you make an attack on a space asset that belongs to a NATO country, NATO is involved. It also means that if you have an asset in space and you're attacking the Earth from there, NATO is involved. It's the within category that suggests to me that they're not thinking just in terms of human attacks. The way I'm reading it is they're trying to send a message to whomever, be it an earthly power, China or Russia, or somebody else, that they will respond as an attack on NATO. But this um, is interesting because the, this puts NATO overhead the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this, if you look at the extension of the NATO umbrella to Space. impinge on the Russians, this is a major mm -hmm. impingement. It's a major impingement of every country that's not part of NATO. Right. So in other words, India, China, Russia, Japan, right. um, you know, all of them are involved in that in that blanket statement. So they're making they're making the power play for space. And again, I think this is intimately tied to your idea that the Great Reset and the plans pandemic and the financial uh, governance of, of the world is all tied together. And NATO just announced it. Right. Well, it's a winner take all problem. It's a winner take all proposition that they just put out there. Right. That's their no. challenge in space. That's their challenge. You space. either create a commitment that space cannot be weaponized and and all nations hold to it, or you know, one guy's gotta get control and, and that's it. Yeah. But whoever gets control controls the planet. Yep. Yeah. That's the difference. You know, sovereignty in a world where one guy can't control from space is a very different world than a world where one can. Yep. Yep. It's the high ground, just like Lyndon Johnson said, whoever Absolutely. controls it, you know, controls the world. That's why the big scramble for the moon, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. It's the because watchtower. It's the, yes, precisely. Precisely. So one of the things that has come out since I wrote State of Our Currency, I've had so many people come back to me and say, you know, we always thought your focus on space was inappropriate. <laughs> we always thought your focus on space was, you know, th they had an impression from after the Kennedy assassination on that space was old. Right. It was over. It was old. It was dumb. Mm -mm. And no. And it's almost like there's a force field over it. Well, I, I do think that, you know, I go back to my presentation in Bay Strip, uh, Texas, during that secret space program conference. It's clear to me that if you look at certain old ancient texts with space lenses on. Right. That they're, that they're talking about some sort of quarantine zone around the earth, you know, right. a, a space militarized zone, demilitarized zone. Right. And um, that, I think, is, is part of the calculus here with this NATO Article 5 clarification, that they're not just sending messages to people here on Earth. They're sending messages to anybody potentially out there. Right. Um, well, here's the, the question. Is, What's the relationship if the breakaway civilization is breaking in? Right. You know, what's the relationship between the dollar reserve governance structure and the breakaway civilization? Well, that breakaway civilization, as you know, I think was financed right. by an enormous hidden system of finance. And that's going to buy you a lot of technology right. over time right. that you don't necessarily have to reveal. But the other thing about that technology is that you want to prevent proliferation of it from you know people tinkering around in their garage so to speak 
So you've got to, you've got to, if you're going to bring that technology out, you've got to install a global surveillance structure in order to monitor that problem alone. Right. Exactly. And you know, I will say this, Mr. Mr. Global does have a problem because the technology that is now being applied is highly dangerous. Yes. Yes. Now they've been struggling with this problem quite literally for over a century right. with, with Tesla. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's people have to wake up and understand that they've been dealing with this problem for at least a century. Right. And that it's not going to go away. They factor it into their calculations. You, and, you know, it's funny. You can't understand our world until you sit down and realize the choice to use oil and gas is a political choice. Yes. yes so if they're so worried about carbon... <laughs> Why have they intentionally used oil and gas when they didn't need to? Well, you know, let's go back to the fact that it was the Rockefellers that first put out the idea that, that petroleum was a limited resource. It was a fossil fuel. Right. You know, and I've never been on that bandwagon. Me neither. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous narrative, but it's, it's one designed to suit their financial purposes and their right. political purposes. Right. And space is the same thing. The problem, you know, I go back, I go back to something that I've said many times in these wrap-ups. If you're Mr. Globaloni and you've got quadrillions of dollars worth of derivatives sloshing around on the books, and then all of a sudden, oh lo and behold, we find an asteroid out there that's worth oh 14 or 15 quadrillion dollars. So in other words, space is part of their calculation, even in this financial meltdown that they've caused. Right. Space, space will solve the financial fraud problem. Right. Right. And it may be that they, you know, they don't go out there and actually mine the asteroid. They just pretend to. Right. You well, know, all so you they, need is you just mark it up. Yeah. You just mark it up. Right. 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 It's. You know, it's amazing the places that collateral fraud will take you. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so you know this collateral always... collateral fraud in this instance is taking you directly to space. That's right. that's my absolutely, point. absolutely. Now, someone was telling me uh, I just started to look at it. a wonderful subscriber in Australia was telling me about this machine in Russia, this ancient machine that comes out and stops asteroids. It's almost like a three-body problem story. <laughs> Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, I got to go find that and send that to you. I don't, you know, you kind of look at these things and you think, what is this about? Well, look, do you remember uh, about a month before the Chelyabinsk meteor incident? Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev went on Russian television a month before the Chelyabinsk meteor incident. And he was asked, well, what should Russia do to defend itself against asteroids? And his response was, well, Russia needs to build an international community to create an international asteroid defense system. Right. And then he went on to say, but... If Russia can't get people to agree with this, we'll just have to build one ourselves. Right. <laughs> and I'm listening to this and I think, okay. <laughs> and then 
And then the reporter asked, well, okay, well, how would we do that? You know, how would we defend against asteroids? Medvedev is very nonchalant. I mean, he's just as cool as a cucumber. He says, well, we can use our thermonuclear missiles and we have other means of doing it. <laughs> and I am sure the reporter was doing just what I was doing. Okay, Dimitri, what are those other means? <laughs> and of course, you know, he doesn't follow up with the question and Dmitry Medvedev never answers it. But I'm thinking, given, given the strangeness of those remarks, uh, just a month before the Chelyabinsk meteor incident, which was, you know, on a television all over the world, just exactly what was going on there. <laughs> you know? The thing I love about the Russians is they let a lot slip. Yeah, they do. They do. They really and, do. And they do it. They do it in these wonderfully deliberate little ways, you know, to make you stop and think. And and the other incident that I I can think of is when those two satellites, one American and one Russian, collided. Remember that? I remember. A few years ago. Yeah. And you know neither Russia or the United States is going to put up a satellite in orbit where they collide. <laughs> so, so my question is, okay, did we or the Russians put up a satellite and maneuver it in position to collide it with the other satellite? Well, both governments are denying it. So then who is ramming those satellites together up there and what are they using to do it? So, you know, for many years, I've always said one of the great fortunes of the 21st century would come from the guy who figured out how to clean up space debris. Yep. And lo and behold, a year ago, a company yep. started in Zurich dedicated to cleaning up space, cleaning up space, space debris. debris. Yeah. And so I told one and subscriber in Zurich, go over there and see if they'll take an investment. <laughs> and if I recall correctly, the company wasn't being terribly forthcoming on how they proposed to do that either. No, and, and they were private. They were very and private. They were private. They yep. were very private. But Gee, I, I wonder how. <laughs> I figure the guy who figures that out is going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Uh, before we go on to Asian space programs, anything else about who controls? Well, right now, space is a mystery because... Yeah. No one individual power on Earth controls it. Now, certainly the United States is Don't way that. ahead. Right. But it by no means has a monopoly on it. So that's problem number one. Nobody does control it. But if there is that kind of control, it's going to have to reside with an entity or entities that has some pretty sophisticated technology that's off the books. Yes. And there we could have any number of players, breakaway civilization, Mr. Extraterrestrial, who knows? Here's what we um, do know. I don't know. What we do know is the technology that is functioning in our world is way beyond what you're taught in school. Oh, yes. And way beyond what you read about in The Economist. So yeah, uh, I just want to show one thing, because we, I think one of the most interesting issues of our day is how we're going to create a framework for, for the law in space. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had done a, a big article in 2015 in October on the basically the state of law and space. Mm -hmm. And 
Attorney Matt Hale uh, did an update that we published this year, uh, well, November 2020, so it's eight months ago, called Issues and Framework of U.S. Law Concerning Outer Space and Update, and it's here. Mm -hmm. And these issues are, they're fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and of course they come back again to, you know, uh, you know, who controls. Well, the bottom line, the bottom line there, Catherine, is I think that if you look at the response of governments to space law, they're, they all admit that there's, that they have to do something. Okay. But they're so slow in doing this, that space is being privatized at a tremendous speed. Right. And what I fear is going privatized to privatize with taxpayers money privatized with taxpayers' money. Right. What I fear you're going to see happen is uh, the space version of the old East Indies companies, right. you know, the French East Indies, Dutch, British, where you're going to have corporations that assert private jurisdiction right. and establish their own courts. And right, and they have their own armies. And they have their own armies. And that these things eventually become rolled over into the to the governance structure. Right. Uh, that's the way I see things going right now. So with private jurisdictions, you're going to see kind of, um, I don't know how else to put it, a, a kind of wild, wild west situation out there for a while. Right. Um, and let's hope they don't pick fights with people they shouldn't be picking fights with. <laughs> but, but I think they will. Uh, I, 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 think I don't they see how too. they avoid it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. You know, it's interesting because you, one of the things you saw in Washington is you saw people who were trained and experienced in exercising real power. Right. And they operated completely differently than people who had no experience or training exercising power. Right. And it was the ability to think strategically over long periods of time. Right. And I assure you, if they use the East Indies model, it's they're going to we're going to we're going to get the inability to think strategically yeah i think so too right because they're in a mad rush literally to go out there and and mine asteroids right you know either either fraudulently to say that they have or do it in reality because they've got too much bad paper on the books they have to do it so they're going to go out there guns blazing is is my fear. So there's another fear I have. If you if have you ever studied the Darien scheme? No. Oh, is that the Scotland? Yeah. So basically yeah. they bankrupted Scotland. The way the Brits mm -hmm. finally got their mitts into Scotland was they bankrupted them on the Darien scheme. Mm -hmm. And if you look at our society, we're making enormous bets on space. Mm -hmm. You know, basically we've decided to leave everybody who thought they're going to get nursing homes and healthcare, leave them high and dry and instead use mm -hmm. the money to go to space. So we're making a civilization uh, bet mm -hmm. that we can become a multi-planetary society and grow mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge investment. Mm -hmm. And yet we are making it with a cultural approach, which is does mm -hmm. not have that strategic vision or culture which means yep. the chances of failures are increased dramatically, which means that we will have bet the, you know, we will have done massive pain, massive financial fraud, massive 
violations of many of the laws of civilization to make this bet, and then we'll mess it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What scares me, you know, I, I would argue all day long that making a bet on space is a good bet. Right. If you do it right, but if not you if do you do it right. right. If you do it wrong, that's a big, big problem. You're if, in the, yeah. you're back in the Darien scheme. Well, not only that, but but you are you are taking essentially the idea of corporate private jurisdictions and rivalries. Let's not forget those East India companies fought each other. Um, you're 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 making a bet on on being able to control that somehow, and I don't see it happening. I really well, don't. Well, right, you can't you, you can't you control can't. you can't control it and. But but even more so, you're talking about breeding up people in incubators without morphogenic yes. fields and without mothers who have neural links and get their intelligence from AI. Mm -hmm. You're basically talking about creating an entire society of idiot savants. Yes. How are they going to yes. make wise strategic decisions? Well, on top of that, then let's throw in the final the final. Uh, monkey wrench into the works. What if they go out there and find somebody out there? And what if there's already a lien on those asteroids they want to mine? Right. You know, this, this is, this is the problem. And, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to, I don't want to have a bunch of corporations with a happy trigger finger in control of that situation Me neither. with a bunch of idiot savants, you know, mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's that's bound to go badly. That's bound to go badly. Well, to make great civil civilizational bets, you need you need great leadership, and you need yeah, great and governance. And we don't we don't have anybody that I can tell that is thinking in terms of space that's showing that kind of leadership. Not the Russians, not the Chinese, nobody. That I can see here on Earth is 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 thinking these problems through to the degree that they need to be thought through. Um, so we're creating a mess. Sean Parker, uh, I used this in the transhumanism conversation that you and I just did, uh, which was very popular. So, you know, I'm reminded again how few people understand that that's really going on. Let me just. Yep. Uh, let me go back. I just want to read you the exact quote. Do you know who Sean Parker is? No, I don't. He's one of the early, I think he was the first president of Facebook. So one of the okay. Facebook billionaires. And... Um, and this was the quote I used it in our transhumanism commentary. Wait a minute. He says, so this is Sean Parker, former president of Facebook 2017, in an interview, public interview. Because I'm a billionaire, I'm going to have access to better health care. I'm going to be like 160, and I'm going to be part of this class of immortal overlords. You know the expression about compound interest. Give us billionaires an extra hundred years and you'll know what wealth disparity looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
how much of what we're watching is being driven by the fact that these guys think they can live to be 160 years. And if they're living to be 160 years and we're living to be, well, remember last year, the average life expectancy dropped a year. So as their age life expectancy is going up, their, the general population is going down. You know, people will notice that they're living to be 160 when we're living to be 80. So how much do you think that's driving this? Oh, I think a lot of it is. In, in fact, virtual immortality is something that I warned about in my very first book in this series of alternative books. Because, and he just summed it up very very adequately if you have that kind of lifespan you are able to absorb and pass on a lot more information we have to recycle all of human knowledge every 20 years or so right if you're living to 160 that necessity of recycling expands you don't you don't have as short a period to do it and you've got a longer period per individual lifespan to learn things. So the spiritual condition that you're in, in that state of virtual immortality can go one of two ways. You've got the possibility of, you know, a saint that's able to do whatever it is that they're doing for many more years. And by the same token, you have the possibility of an Adolf Hitler or a Joseph Stalin or a Chairman Mao doing evil for that imagine of time. yahoo at 150 yeah exactly right exactly right yeah so i think i think what it does is it acts as a a uh, magnifier of your innate spiritual tendencies so if you're already inclined to materialism and evil that's going to be magnified just like in that Ooh, guy's quotation God. yeah 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 so I was just this recording is... with Thomas Meyer on Ariman and you know 160 every 160 years of channeling Ariman. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 That's that's what you're faced with. You know, St. John Chrysostom is the one that that talked about this right. in re, in relationship to uh ancestral sin and he says that that death is what gives us the possibility for repentance so in other words there is right. a there is a spiritual connection to this virtual immortality and that's why in my opinion you see so many of these people who think it's really good are these people that are also involved in some of the most evil things you know as we've been discussing these last two weeks imaginable because they think it's their ticket to do more of it. So we're really getting a culture of people who are not self-aware. Right. Okay, so, so Asian space programs are shifting global geopolitics. There is no doubt about it. If you look at oh, the yeah. speed at which the Asian space programs are moving, mm -hmm. it's remarkable and dazzling. It's remarkable and dazzling, and again, it's a big problem for Mr. Globaloni, I think. Particularly if you think of Mr. Globaloni in terms of, of the Anglo-American deep state. 
Um, well, but but they created China this time. They I know they, they put did. the money in. They transferred the intellectual. They, they created China, but do they control China? I don't think they do. I don't know. I, I don't think they do. Um, you know, it's 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 like the Molotov Ribbentrop Pact. You know, you've you are enabling each other, but you both know that at some point down the line, you're going to turn against each other. Uh, that to me is what the China deals back in the seventies were all about. That they both knew that they were uh, making a bargain for for the short and midterm, but that it wasn't going to last. Well, but Mister, there's no way Mister Global is not going to bring China to heel. I agree. So the question I is, agree. how do they do it? Good question. Part of it's got to be in space, right? And part of it, part of it, I think we're already seeing. We're already seeing uh, what I I think is weather warfare going on in China with the floods and everything, right. and and the disruption of the economy. In that well, country the attack on the food supply and the attack on the I mean, food supply. And China's weakness is food and water, right? And keeping everybody employed. And keeping everybody employed. And the other thing that Mr. Globaloni certainly knows is China's demographics are in a very dangerous spot now because the population is getting progressively older and it's not replacing. So, so, you know, it's very interesting. When I did the pension fund wrap up, at that point, the U.S., let me go back. The U.S. had, I think, I'm trying to remember it was the U.S. or OECD. We had 25 trillion... I have to go look at the numbers. We had 25 times more retirement capital in our pension and retirement systems than they did. Yep, I can believe that. 25 times. I can believe and, that. And, you know, essentially they had no retirement saving system whatsoever other than the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And their population is getting older. So they're, they're going to be hit, I'd say in the next 10 to 20 years, they're going to be hit with a demographic crunch. Right. That's going to put a severe shock on their economy. Right. So you couple you couple that demographic problem with the weather warfare, the food supply. China's not looking and as the good automation as, and the automation. So yeah. so if the family's going to support the elderly, then the kids need to work. But if you automate and there are no jobs, how do you deal with that? Right. Well, the other the other I mean, just look at just look at the thousands of miles of high speed rail that China has built. And couple that with the demo, with the demographic crisis that they're going to be facing. So, in other words, how do they maintain that that very expensive infrastructure in that kind of situation? Right. So, again, China's not looking not looking too good over the long term. So, there's any number of ways. If Mr. Global only plays his cards, there's any number of ways that they can exacerbate that situation for the Chinese. So, do you think the Silk Road will continue? No, I don't. Um, if it does, it's going to be profoundly modified okay. from from what Mr. Xi wants. He wants it to be his his imperialism ticket, and I don't think I don't think ultimately that uh, when you put Russia and Germany and France into that mix, that that's going to survive in its current form. Right. They just won't let it. Okay, let's turn to food and health now. I haven't put something in here about the injections, 
But before we start on story number 18, which is the war on meat, I want to talk a little bit about the COVID-19 injections. Mm -hmm. Because this is a very significant threat facing everybody listening to this. Yes. So I just want to walk through what my understanding is of of what's going on with the injections. And this comes primarily from the Doctors for COVID Ethics, which is Mm -hmm. a group of European, mostly European and UK scientists and doctors who meet once a week. They have a website and they publish and they've been doing notices as a liability to the European medical agency. They did it to the entire European parliament when they were considering passports. They Mm -hmm. sent them individually, office by office, person by person, notices of liability for crimes against humanity. Yes, I saw that. And they just uh, delivered a notice of liability to all the German doctors. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so they, you know, they continue to do amazing things, but they have a very good website (coughs) and they're extremely careful. Their whole position is, you know, what do we know that is fact that we have the research and backing to say. So obviously the questions about these injections, you know, everybody has more questions than they have answers. But I I just want to walk through what we know. What we know is that the population has herd immunity and there's no reason for vaccination. Right. That's number one. Number two, we know they're low cost, long, long live or or have been in long usage pharmaceutical uh, therapies that are highly effective. Right. So you have ivermectin, you have hydroxychloroquine. There's no reason for an injection, let alone one on an emergency authorization. Right. We know that these were rushed out without, that we know of, the proper trials. No animal trials. The last time they did animal trials with coronavirus vaccine, all the animals died. Mm -hmm. So... So there are no trial, you know, n- nowhere near the trials or testing that you need. There's, there's been absolutely no long-term intergenerational study right. of the effects of these vaccines. None. Now, we also know, um, we also know that we don't know what the ingredients are. Right. And we know that the process by which these injections are being given do not meet any basic standard of informed consent with rare exception. So you have a mystery potion being (laughs) injected um, on the theory that you need it when in fact it's impossible that anybody needs it given the, just the medical facts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's no need and, and based on no need, we're being given a mystery potion. Okay, so here's what we know it does. Um, We know the spike proteins tear away at the vascular wall and Mm -hmm. create uh and create blood clots and then those blood clots whether they show up in the heart or the brain or different places you know create heart disease or neurological damage you know and much of which is pretty frightening to watch and i would point out is extremely expensive when you take the breadwinner of a family and you destroy their ability to work and you were you 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 saddle them with a long-term disease for which no one knows a cure. Right. You know, you're talking about 
you know, destroying, I mean, if, if you, you're, you're talking about a family losing two to $5 million over a lifetime, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a, this is a bankruptcy event. You're talking about mm -hmm. bankrupting financially families, mm -hmm. destroying whole families anyway. So, so the blood clot issue we know now, the amazing thing about all of this is the spike proteins go into the brain where the coronavirus can't go. So why do we need something that goes into the brain when the coronavirus doesn't go there? We know it also doesn't go into the vascular system. It goes into the lungs, but mm -hmm. the spike proteins can't get in the lungs because they're in the vascular system in the brain. Do you know what I mean? It's I said to you before, it's like me putting the, the seeds on your front lawn when they're needed on the back lawn. Right, exactly. So whatever this is about, it has nothing to do with SARS-CoV-2 that right. I can tell. Okay. Same here. Okay. Then there are serious issues, which I won't try and explain, but there's a new piece going up on Doctors for COVID Ethics that basically the way the antibodies inspire you, um, basically, you know, they make you react in the wrong way. You know, you're, you're fighting the wrong fight in the wrong way, and it could make it worse when new. You know, right. every year when the flu comes around, Right. You could have lost your ability to fight that flu. Right. So, so, so there's a messing, you know, there's a revving up of your immunity system in a way that makes you more vulnerable to the next one, not less. Right. But then we get to the worst problem, which is the concern that the lipid toxicity, and we saw this come out of the, uh, on the Japanese, there was a FOIA of a Japanese sort of study Again, on the Doctors for COVID Ethics website, you can learn more about this. Um, you have toxicity going into certain organs, including the female reproductive organs, and it looks like it is likely that we're talking about creating infertility. Now, here's the magic trick to this. If this is correct, they knew it. This is yes. not something that you don't know before you start. And so it appears that there is no way that they intentionally are forcing injections in very aggressive ways that are not needed unless what you're trying to do is sterilize the population. Right. Right. So we have to seriously ask the question, is the goal of this vaccination program to dramatically lower the birth rate. Oh, I, yeah, I think it is. I, I think it is. I, I don't see how you can avoid that conclusion, especially when you factor in people like Gates being involved with all of this, because he's a depopulation guy and he's a eugenicist from the get go. Uh, I, I, I don't see it being anything else. I, Catherine, I've seen reports of young girls, pre-adolescent girls that have received injections and they start bleeding from their vaginas. Right. You know, so how is this, how is this not known and, and, and understood? I've seen studies suggesting this could create prion disease. Right you know, bovine spongioform encephalopathy, mad cow. Right. Um, 
so there's all sorts of, of studies out there about these things. And you can't tell me that, that these studies were done overnight. Well, but here's so, the other thing. If you look at what we know, what we don't know is much greater than what we know. I mean, right. what, what we know is that this is bad. Now, if you look at the reporting systems for, uh, for vaccine injury, the pressure on doctors and healthcare practitioners to not report vaccine injury right. is, is so strong mm -hmm. that what it tells me is the hospitals are terrified mm -hmm. and the medical malpractice insurance is uh -huh. terrified. Uh -huh. Because if you look at the informed consent rule, you know, this kind of liability is not protected. Right. Right. Because these are massive violations of informed consent laws and disclosure laws. Right. And it's not just it's not just hospitals and, and healthcare uh, businesses that are implicated in it. The media is as well. Oh. Well, here's Big my time. question. You know, because I'm still trying to get my head around what. You know, because as you know, I think they're trying to download an operating system that they can use for the financial system. Right. You know, so so I think there's more going on than what just what I'm talking about. But if if sterilization, whether it's temporary or permanent, is a goal here, then I just don't see how mind control can persuade people that's not a problem. I don't either. I don't either. Sooner or later, you know, I said this last quarterly wrap up, we are just on the cusp of the beginning of adverse reactions. Right. In five to 10 years, it's going to, it's going to look like a wasteland in terms of, of the reactions to these things. And particularly, I think in people of childbearing age. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. If it if it can affect female fertility, it it can also affect male, male fertility. Virility. Right. Yes. Yes. And and you know sooner or later, when parents go to find out why they can't have kids, and doctors start asking questions, well, did you take the COVID vaccine? You know, that'll be it. So I do think this is a depopulation sterilization agenda too. I really do. Right. I, I don't have any doubts about that. So we talked about this last week. I told you about the uh, the Kiwi company. Uh, I think it's New Zealand instead of, it could be Australia, but it's down under A2 that was um, traded off on their earnings report because their Chinese competitor who mm -hmm. makes infant formula lowered their earnings projections saying that because of the vaccinations that women would you know not be able to have kids now they seem to imply on the report that they it was a delay not a permanent but mm -hmm. um i really think everybody listening to this who owns shares in a consumer product company that makes money from babies ought to call investor relations and start asking questions i do too I do too. Because under the securities law, if this is going to lower their sales and earnings, they, they're required to disclose that. Yep. And yep. I think we ought to, 
I just think there is an absolute way to hold people accountable through the securities law for this. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And let's stop and think, even if, even if these quack scenes are causing female infertility that is temporary, how long is temporary? You know, females after a certain age can't bear children. So is this a way right. of, of blocking that? Right. You know, well, they remember they're, they're proposing now boosters every six months. I know. I know. So if it's temporary for six months, but you get a booster every six months, mm -hmm. yeah. then that looks pretty permanent to me. Yep. 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 So, and, so you know, since we're talking about possibilities of adverse reactions here, Given the fact that there was no intergenerational long-term testing of the effects of these quack scenes, is it possible we might see an uptick in birth defects? Yes. I think so. Absolutely. Well, we know breastfeeding mothers after vaccination, their babies have died. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It's, you know, to me, this is heartbreaking. I think one of the things I've yes. seen, you know, mothers struggle with, mothers with children who are vaccine injured, you know, hold themselves responsible and blame themselves for what uh -huh. has happened. Um, on the Solari report, I'm just going to show you uh, here. We have, um, just go there. We have, and you can link to them from the homepage. You know, the first form I did was the Family Financial Disclosure Form for COVID-19 mm -hmm. Injections. And basically what it does is it walks through, you know, let's say you have somebody in the family who wants to take it. It walks through and forces them to do due diligence and disclosure and then, and then explain to you healthcare insurance workman's compensation, disability insurance, life insurance, the time it takes to take care of them if they're vaccine injured, how they're going to guarantee that their decision to get a COVID-19 injection is not going to translate into the bankruptcy of the family. Right. They have to prove how, you know, because you see these people who, who literally cannot work. They've been so damaged. You know, yep. they, they have the neurological damage and the shaking, Workman compensation won't cover it, even though their employer had mandated the injection. But workman's yep. compensation won't cover, you know, and their health care insurance won't pay. Yep. So they have no coverage and they can't work. Yep. It's quite amazing. Okay, so, so the family financial disclosure form is to help you in a situation where you're trying to force somebody in the family to, to do the proper due diligence and take responsibility for their actions um, so that, you know, one spouse's stupidity does not translate into the other spouses having to spend 10,000 hours for the rest of their life taking care of them. Um, right. The second one was, this is a disclosure form for employers and schools. Same thing. You know, employer mandates it, but the health care insurance doesn't cover it. The workman compensation doesn't cover it. The insurance doesn't, you know, so this is basically to hold the employer responsible to either 
provide those resources or admit that they're not going to before anybody takes an injection. Right. And I've been told that by people that they've been able to use it to back up their employer in their school. Um, same, you know, Good. same, same for a school. And then um, the newest one is a, a notice and declaration of parental authority requirement of disclosure and safety of medical treatments. So if you're concerned that a school might try and get your child to consent to something without your permission, this is a requirement that you put the school on notice. They can't do that. Right. And this is meant to defend Good. you and defend your child going into the, you know, the beginning of school this coming year. And I think this is important, particularly if the yep. FDA gives a full authorization. So yep. those, and the other thing beneath those three forms is the Take Action Crowdfund. And what we've been doing is listing and supporting litigators who are going into the courts and fighting. And you know something? When you when you get all the evidence and the expert witness and you put it down and, and you put it into court, you know, that's part of, of the trench warfare that's really pushing back. And these groups have done a great job. So, and we've also done some of the journalists who are supporting it. So, you know, I'm always, you see the quote from me here, why have more assets if you don't have an army to protect them? Absolutely. Right. Because I keep telling people they're, they're planning on taking everything. Yes. You know, so you might as well put some money to a fight fund. Yep, absolutely. Anyway, so um, let me get back. That's it on the injections. And, and, you know, I think the pressure to get the vaccine rate higher is they've now changed their quota from 70 to, I think it was 80. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the what they say the percentage uptake is, I think they're totally lying. <laughs> I do too. Right. I do too. Otherwise they wouldn't be having these vaccine lotteries and cash giveaways. Oh, it's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. They they are desperate to get people to take these things. And that's the sure those things are the surest sign to me that people are backing off and aren't gonna go do it. Well you should see the I mean I, I know you've read some of the stories of the it's just horrible. Okay, mm -hmm. story 18. Oh, I should mention in top videos, we have some of the best videos, like the three women who couldn't stop shaking, yep. their yep. interview with Del Bigtree, which is a life-changing interview. Um, okay, story number 18, the war on meat. This is great. This is, this is like, uh, you know, the war on meat is part of the climate change. F-35s are not a problem, but cow farts are. Cow farts. <laughs> <laughs> and now they want us to eat insects and Bill Gates' synthetic meats. Right. And I got to tell you, I'm glad you did the injection thing because who knows what they are putting into that synthetic meat. Oh, I can't imagine. I think it's frightening. If, if they're willing to talk, Catherine, about using GMOs as a, a vaccine delivery system, they are certainly capable of using meat or synthetic meat right. as a vaccine delivery system. And who knows what they're going to be putting into that meat. Well, you know, I stopped buying meat at most grocery stores oh, a while. I, I just, especially if you can't see, you know, it's one thing to buy a whole chicken. Right. But if you're buying hamburger, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I think we've reached an, a sufficiently out of control Society mm -hmm. that you have no idea what's in there. 
Yep, I agree. Okay, well, we we did a great interview with Sally Fellin Morell on synthetic food, and um, <laughs> and now Pete Kennedy is doing a series of interviews on the war on meat, because uh, you know it's all part of me trying to encourage people to buy food locally, which yep. takes us to story number nineteen: local food demand grows. Yep, and local food demand is explosive. It's it is yeah, it is, and it it wouldn't be explosive if people could trust their government regulatory agencies, which they can't. Well, anymore. the government regulatory agencies were were what d destroyed the local food system anyway. In the in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like I say, I've 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 bought off of buying any American produce because I simply don't trust it. I simply don't trust it anymore. So I, now I'll buy, you know, if I see a little farmer out on a street corner, you know, selling right. his pumpkins or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there. But the stuff in grocery stores and I'm, I'm like you, I, I will not buy ground beef anymore. Right. I haven't, I haven't bought ground beef in years, right. In years. So, uh, Rogue Food just had a conference in Tennessee that we were a sponsor of, and now they're going to have one. Yeah, they're going to have one in Polyface Farm, and Franklin Sanders is going to go up because we're the Silver and Gold Calculator is a sponsor, and then Claire Viedru, who's an editor, and I'm hoping Pete Kennedy from from Florida will go up. He hosts our food series, and so they're all going to be at Joel Salton's Polyface Farm. And uh, in Virginia in August. So we're going to encourage everybody to go. But um, the last one, a lot of people made great connections. Because I always tell people, find the Weston Price groups. Find the foodies in your local area. Because yep. they're there. And they're the ones who have been building a local food system. And there's a lot that's been happening over the last 20 years. But now, finally, everyone's realizing, oh, I can't trust Mr. Global. And I want to add that uh, dialogue I did in my website members area with Peter about his local group. That in, is a fantastic interview. Yeah, and they're doing a lot of stuff with with food. So I would I would suggest uh, to my members go and watch that interview if you haven't, because that's the sort of that's the sort of strategic local thinking that people need to. Start well, they're doing. doing what I call circles. He's doing yes. a circle and he's right. doing a circle in a very deeply intelligent way. Right. Very right. deeply intelligent. It's sort of what can we do today with the people we have here? Let's just start right. and see where it, goes, where it goes and it can go, you know, it can, you know, that kind the way he's doing it can, that can build a whole new world. Yep. yep. It can. Remarkable guy. So, you know, if if you're not a member of Giza Death Star, it's real easy. Just go to Giza Death Star and subscribe and go to the members area. You will not regret it. Um, okay, so story number 20, happy, healthy, and free. We find the hero doctors and take responsibility for our health. I have to tell you, we have seen some doctors and scientists stand up yep. in the bravest and most courageous way 
you know, we do a hero every week, and it's just been unbelievable, Joseph. And I'm meeting some of the finest people I've ever met in my life. I love them. You know, they're they're so committed to science and truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, real science, not bought and paid for science. Right. Yeah. And they're just, and the funny thing is, you know, you know how when it's finance, I can say, oh, well, that's ridiculous, you know, and but I can look at something and I have no idea whether it's ridiculous or not. But of course they do because they're deeply experienced and knowledgeable about that area. You know, I barely made it through high school biology and I'm, I'm suffering as a result. <laughs> that would be me. Um, anyway, but uh, uh, so I, I can't recommend enough. American Frontline Doctors and Doctors for COVID Ethics are two of the groups. And it just, you know, when, when you think evil has overrun the world, what you realize is there's such great, powerful people among us. We just have to find each other. Anyway, so I, I would I would aver that that this business with COVID, that the test case for what we're seeing happening with the planned scandemic narrative was GMOs. Right. And the way the way that they got that through. Right. Uh, it's almost a textbook repeat of it all. And I keep harping on the lack of long-term intergenerational testing with these quack scenes. And that's what we saw happen with the GMOs. And well, then know, of course the studies came out showing lower crop yields per acre over time with right. GMOs and, and increased expense and so on and so forth. We're seeing the same thing here. So I've seen a lot of really fine doctors and scientists make dire predictions about what the impact of the injections will be, you know, four to 18 months out. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know what to think, Joseph, because I've seen so many times when we expected something dire to happen and yet, you know, the grace in the universe interceded and it didn't. So I'm hopeful that the dire predictions are not true, but, but it is also inconceivable to me that you aren't causing a weakening of immune systems and an increase in toxicity from these, you know, best case. Yeah. So yeah. more chronic disease, more inflammation, more dumbing down. Yep. I, I don't know, you know, so, so, it could just be adverse events among 10% or so of the population, or if what some people are saying about 18 to, you know, years out, it could be very, very bad if they're right. If, if it's just 1% of the vaccinated population, it's going to be dire. And why do you say that? Because you, in this country alone, I think they're estimating now that you have between 150 and 170 million people that have been vaccinated. vaccinated. Right. So if 1% of that starts having adverse reactions, that's, a, that's as large as a major city. Right. And the financial fallout from that alone is, is bad. But we're already seeing adverse reactions, and they're not even reporting all of them. 
Right. And this is the other problem that you pointed out. So I think, yeah, we're just at the beginning of this. I think in five to 10 years, you're going to see all sorts of weirdness as a result of it. Uh, and it could be as little as, as 18 months, like many of them have predicted. Um, right. I, I, I'm, I'm in the dire camp on this one because they're experimenting with something they don't know. And I don't care how well informed Mr. Globaloni was beforehand. They themselves don't know all of what they're tinkering around with and how it will combine and recombine and where it will go. They don't know. No one does. Well, I remember one scientist saying to me, I said, what, he said something about junky RNA bits. And I said, being in the, of you know, somebody had gotten a vial and tested it. And I said, what does that mean? It, it means, he said, it means there's no decent quality control. They're just going fast and being sloppy. Yep. 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 So imagine that sloppiness with human DNA and RNA sloppiness. Right. I mean, you're tinkering with humanity itself. And <laughs> if nothing else, that invokes some big spiritual problems and penalties. Well, so, injecting aborted fetal tissue. I mean, it's clear that the abortion policies are pushing because yep. the pharmaceutical companies need supply. And so we are watching a process of killing more and more babies, essentially, to create injections to put, you know, right. and and the descriptions because you, you know, you're basically birthing babies and then killing them, live yeah. babies and killing them. I mean, that's and, what this late-term abortion stuff is about. And and in turn, you are exposing a significant segment of the population to all the dangers of prion diseases as a result. Just think of what cannibalism does to populations right. that practice it. Right. You know, you go literally nuts. Right. So, you know, I, I, I think we're just on the cusp of things here. Um, and it's going to get, it's going to get much, much worse. And I hope if it does get worse, the people behind this will be held accountable. Well, my prediction is, you know, it's my old, hologram you're going to have some go to the light and some go to the dark because yep. what i'm seeing is the people going to the light are gathering and finding each other for the first time in my lifetime in a really powerful way and this is the most positive development i've seen in my entire life mm -hmm. So that's why it's really important to not try and get along with the dark, get as, you know, let go, yep. let go and find your tribe because there are great things happening. Yep. And you just have to, I told you in 1998, I sat down and I said, I think these guys are going to depopulate down to 500 million. Can I live in a world and be happy when that is going on? And it took me a couple, it took me a while to figure that one out. And I had to study spiritual warfare until I came to the conclusion that I had I could live in a world like that. And not that I chose that I wanted to, but I wasn't given much of a choice. Right. <laughs> anyway, right. okay. So um, next up, unanswered questions. Would you like to take a break? <laughs> um, no, let's just dive in. If I need to take a break during this, I'll 
Okay. Take a break. Let's just dive in because we've got a lot here. Yeah, but we're going to go, Boy. we're going to do this fast because, you know, we've talked about these many, many times. So, mm -hmm. you know, the unanswered questions don't change that much. <laughs> no, but, but you've got a lot of additional information in your questions and articles that you're linking. Yeah, we here. just put links in, but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean we have to, okay. So unanswered question, because we want to do take action and inspiration after that. Unanswered question, uh, question number one, we have, I'll just run, let me just show this. I'll show you what, what we've, so can you see that we've got, mm -hmm. <laughs> we've got 25 unanswered questions. One of the things I have to brag about the News Trends and Stories team, they worked really hard on this. And this time we decided to put some of our favorite um, links in, which makes it look longer. But if you go to the website, you can access those links and um, access the top videos, which are also great. Anyway, um, but let's just walk through. So here we go. Again, if you haven't if you haven't accessed the web presentation, it's great. Okay, how important is mind control? So what's happening? I have to tell you, you know, there are a lot of friends I have who think I overestimate the mind control, but I think it's unbelievably important. I do too, and I, I the reason I think it's unbelievably important is when people think of mind control, they're primarily I think thinking of the hard technologies. Right. I'm thinking I'm thinking of the soft techniques. Right. And there's no better example of it than this media campaign that has been ratcheted up beyond all belief with this COVID thing. I mean, it is everywhere in this country, Catherine. It's on the national media, it's on the local media all the time. Constantly. You know what's funny? When I drive around, I try to listen to Dutch talk radio to help me learn Dutch. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing because when they say COVID, they say, you know, COVID is COVID in all languages. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how many times I hear the word COVID. I just can't believe it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's constant. It's constant. Right. And it's, it's, all, it's all in support of, of the official narrative. There's no attempt on the local national media that I listen to. And I listen to a lot of it just to keep abreast of what they're saying. There's no attempt to deal with any of the alternative science. There's no attempt to mention the doctors that you've pointed out, the right. organizations that you've pointed none whatsoever. That's mind manipulation. Right. There's there's no serious discussion of science. No, none whatsoever. Right. Um, I just have to mention C.J. Hopkins did a great interview with um, with the Planet Lockdown team. They did it with Oval Media and James Patrick. And mm -hmm. Hopkins is the guy who invented the term the Covidian cult. Cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it is. It's a cult. It's, it's a cult. We also put a link to the, the uh, an, it's an old video where somebody was taking a picture of themselves and uh, caught their TV with a subliminal message called, that says kill. Kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty mm -hmm. interesting. And then, of course, the Requiem for QAnon. That was a great discussion you and I did with Bernard Grover. 
Okay, how important are invisible and secret, secret weaponry and technology to the replacement of global currency systems with crypto control systems? Well, I go back to what I've said over and over again. It, it is perhaps the elephant in the room. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason why is these, these alternative technologies that we're talking about, energy technologies, you know, think of fusion here. You know, that's one that's fairly public. They are very important to the surveillance system because they have got to maintain tight control over those technologies. Let me tell you why. Think of think of your standard hot fusion tokamak reactor, like they're building in France, the right. ITER reactor. Right. And everybody's everybody is is forgetting one important question. What happens if that plasma containment were to suddenly break down? Mm -hmm. For example, the electricity power supply to that tokamak magnet and the ITER fusion reactor suddenly just turns off. What happens to that plasma? It's no longer contained. Right. You've got a big explosion on your hands, and I mean big. Right. <laughs> so it's crucial for them to have to have surveillance on literally everything to roll this stuff out. Right. Just with fusion alone. Right. You don't want cyber attacks against it. You don't want power outages happening you've got to build in redundancy and you've got to surveil everybody and anything connected with it that's just one small example so it's crucially important to to the to the structure that they're trying to build out they've got to have it they've got to have it. you would think if you would take on this much risk that you would behave a little differently bit. right right yeah. okay um how are invisible technologies being used to engineer civil wars, turn people against each other, and engage in disaster capitalism? Oh, I think hugely. Yeah. I think hugely. Just, just, just the weather warfare manipulation that I think is going on, uh, I think it's hugely important. They, they, they are trying to set everybody against everybody. You know, it's funny, I uh, I had an interesting conversation on the on the web on the on the website because um, I was interviewing Sherry Tenpenny and she has very strong feelings as a Christian against homosexuality mm -hmm. and expressed them towards the end of the interview and I basically didn't respond because mm -hmm. that was not the goal of the interview. The interview was right. almost over, but I don't want to go there. I just don't want to go there because, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a libertarian. But if you look at, at what my focus is, I'm really interested in changing those things that impact everybody. Mm -hmm. So missing money, you know, it's $65,000 per person, everybody. Right, right. And I just don't have bandwidth for for this little group versus that little group. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And those issues are important. I'm not saying that they're not important. I'm just saying, I believe if you fix the things that harm us all, mm -hmm. that it's a lot easier to then work out the other issues. So right. I agree. that's my focus. I just don't care about it. I'm, I'm just going to focus on 
the ones that impact us all. Right. And, uh, you know, and there was a back and forth between me and a couple of subscribers on that. And I just said, you know, I'm just not going there. I'm just yeah. not going there. And um, I have watched Divide and Conquer destroy my society. Yep. And we have the ability to just not go there. Um, okay, missing money. Where did Mr. Global invest the $21 trillion? The $24 <laughs> plus trillion of bailouts. Now we have another up to $96 trillion, but we don't know if it's undocumentable or documented. Or unsupported. Well, you know my answer is I think a lot of this money has has gone to fund covert operations, you know, things like this planned scandemic, but I think the vast majority of it has gone into into secret technology research. Me too. That's because that's that's the only thing that can explain the massive amounts of money that we're talking about. Right. And I think to do that you had to build a whole underground world. Absolutely. Of underground bases and underground transportation systems. You, you had to build a, you had to build an infrastructure to support it. Right. You know, you remember Mark McCandlish, you know, sadly passed away, but do you remember the presentation he did at the 2014? Excellent, excellent presentation. You remember him talking about the eight feet long quartz crystals? Right. Yes. That he claimed was part of this alien reproduction vehicle. And I remember thinking at the time, how expensive would it be to synthesize and grow an eight foot long slab of quartz crystal and do it with the purity in the lattice work that you needed to make that work? That would be enormously expensive. Right. And that you know people keep asking me this why why hidden system finance because the stuff that they were trying to do was enormously expensive and they had to keep it secret they couldn't they couldn't come out with a tax plan for 30 years right. to tax americans you know trillions of dollars they had to come up with another way to fund it so here's the thing if you look at what i did a great interview with amy benjamin a couple of years ago on secrecy if you look at what it takes to to do a certain function, like a certain laboratory for a secret weaponry, you know, it's a dollar to do it, but if you do it in a way that keeps it secret, it can be $10 or $100. Secrecy is unbelievably expensive. You have to build a, an entirely yep. independent infrastructure and you need extraordinary surveillance, et cetera, et cetera. So, Right. You know, it, it this is prohibitively expensive doing everything on a mm -hmm. secret basis. Yeah, I if if people want that are members of my website want to know the size of installations and the cost of money, have them go look at the interview I did with Tino von Struckmann, who went over to Germany and visited those installations and took pictures of those installations in Lower Silesia where they tested the bell. Really? Yeah. Catherine it was four hours long. I could not believe the sheer size of these things. Wow. And you look at them and look at the the amount of electrical cabling facilities that, that were constructed and the the cost must have been enormous. Right. Uh, when did they build those? When did they build those? 1940s. Right. 
1940s, and we're talking an area that's about 100 square kilometers. I, I had no idea it was that big. It's huge. These installations are huge. Right. And the cost alone would have been astronomical. Well, remember, so, yeah, it, was, I agree. it was the German, you know, it was Paperclip that brought all those scientists. All those and, people over here. You know, and, and our underground base network basically evolved out of what they achieved during World War II. Yeah. So the expense, the secrecy, as you say, the, the secrecy alone is increasing the expense enormously. So I, I did a review of all the locations where there's ever been a report of an underground base mm -hmm. and just tried to estimate where I thought they probably were. Mm -hmm. And I came up with 130 locations. Where, oh, I can believe where it. Probably you have an underground. Now, that's a wild ass guess. So, mm -hmm. but, but I think the underground installations are very significant in size and expense. Oh, I do too. And you're talking, you're basically talking about a separate civilization. Yes. And, and the other question I have, a lot of the young people that they've been bringing across the border, are they disappearing into those bases? You know, they need a workforce. Well, you remember, I told you in the, in the previous uh, part of the wrap up last week, I told you about my state is having legislation to consider preventing these buyouts of land that are being bought by people that want to farm marijuana. Well, as part of that story uh, on the news, they were reporting that a lot of people were being put into these farms coming across the border as illegals. And they're basically working in slave-like conditions to, right. to, to, you know, so yeah, uh, I think I think you're talking about a vast underground infrastructure, and who knows, the Nazis used slave labor right. to build those tunnels and facilities. Who's to say that we haven't? Right. As a as a cost cutting measure. Right. You know? I think so. Okay, reality and TV paid protesters. Huh. Um, what's the command structure? That's what I want to know. Who are these guys? Who are these guys reporting to? Who's funding this? I mean, this is a very professionally yes. funded and managed operation. Well, I can think of a certain Hungarian fellow <laughs> whose whose well, he's surname certainly is financing a, it, but yeah, whose surname is a palindrome. Um, He's certainly financing it, and that you know, again, that what that tells me is you've got you've got Mr. Globaloni financing a lot of this stuff. But there's no way these guys run around and do what they're doing without the CIA and the of Department not. of Homeland Security controlling what they do and where they go. And of course, I mean, not. they're all on smartphones, right? So they they're tracking yeah. them the whole way. Yeah, it's just like a human Pokemon thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Right. Okay, now they tried to do this January 6th commission. The Senate Republicans got it killed. <laughs> they keep trying to come up with this idea of a domestic terrorist. It seems to keep falling flat. I don't, you know, my concern is they're going to use it to steal assets. Well, they've already used it to steal an election, so why not steal a few? No, I'm very, very serious because I think this is the reason it keeps falling flat is 
is you've got these state audits that are now beginning to uh, put some teeth into the stolen election narrative, which, you know. Do you think there's a possibility that they really could? Really could what? In other words, I'm assuming the audience audits can easily, you know, or will be able to prove election fraud. But the question is, what can they do with that? Well, that is the question. Right. And I don't know what they can do with it. But one thing that's already coming out of it is is this attempt to federalize elections and so on is, I think, dead boring. Uh, it's not going to fly right. because of the because of those audits and so on. Um, what I would like to see happen as a result of them is to make sure that the states step up and do their due diligence and manage their elections like they're supposed to under the Constitution. But I, I think this whole insurrection thing and so on is is it's just not going to fly for them. There's too many. There's too many Americans that think, and I'm one of them. That think that election was stolen, and I just don't see it's going to fly. FASB fifty six. How important it was FASB fifty six to what's happening? Oh, I think hugely important. How can it not be? If you if you're taking the if you're taking the federal budget black, uh, that applies to everything. You know. And this is the same federal government that wants to federalize the elections. No, thank you. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not on my watch. You're not doing it. No. Uh -uh. So we've seen a remarkable uh, development in the last year, year and a half, of something called the Special Acquisition Company. Uh-huh. Where basically, <laughs> magically... Billions Magically. and billions of dollars are poured into blind pools. Yeah. And then the blind pools merge with a space company. And yeah. then voila, the space company has gone public without having to go through the disclosure process. Right. What a miracle. <laughs> what a miracle. <laughs> and it's all by coincidence, too. <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got bridges to sell in Manhattan too, you know. <laughs> The, one of the links here is Monopoly Follow the Money, which was done by this great Dutch researcher who, you know, figured out BlackRock and Vanguard own five percent of everything. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, poisoning of populations. We talked a lot about um, uh, in the in the sort of great poisoning, but but I wanted to point out. Um, if speaking of sort of nuclear risk issues, Japan continues to dump contaminated yep. wastewater into the Pacific. Yep. And um, one of the challenges with the deterioration in the governance system is we're responsible as a society to manage all sorts of nuclear waste and other dangerous material. And you cannot afford to... Uh, you know, to not have excellence in your engineering if you're going to handle this stuff. And and that excellence in the engineering has to be maintained. Right. This is not an infrastructure that you can just build and let sit there. Right. Um, and that's, you know, 
to me, Catherine, that's the biggest farce in, in this infrastructure bill that we've been talking about, you know, for the few months that we've been talking about, because no one's talking about nuclear waste. Our nuclear waste facilities in this country are, are, are a wreck. So I'm assuming the infrastructure is by everybody into vaccine mandates. Yeah. That's nothing to do with building infrastructure. It's the, nope. it's the SDR loans. Here they come. Let me let me tell you about infrastructure for a minute that that just steams my clams. You know the interstate section after you cross the river here when you came to visit the part that's close by my house right. and how old and outdated that was. Well, they're finally they're finally redoing that whole interchange just across the river. Right. And they're they're tearing up highways, they're tearing down bridges, but do you know how long it's going to take for them to finish it? And I'm from South Dakota. This just makes me laugh because up there, you know, they do something and they have to do it that fast because of the winters. Right. It's going to take them 10 years. What? 10 years. And we're even being told they're building bridge pylons. You can go see them. You know, I pass it every day. You can go see these bridge pilots. Some of them won't be completed for two or three years. So we're going to have bridge pylons out there that are going to be deteriorating before they put the bridge up. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Catherine. I am not kidding you. So I'm smelling kickbacks and uh, all the I, graft that goes with it. I think the kickback system has reached a level of dysfunction Yep. That we can't manage a modern society. No, COVID, you can't. Question number eight, COVID-19 injection goals, we've really covered. You know, right. what I can't figure out is, is the primary goal an operating system or is the primary goal sterilization? I think it's both. Right. That's what it looks like. I think like. it's both. Yeah, I, I can't see anything else. From, from Mr. Globaloni's standpoint, they don't need all these excess eaters. Right. And they learned their they learned their lesson, you know, with the gulags and, and the concentration camps. So now they're gonna do it slow. But at the same time, they want everybody else that's left over to have the operating system. So I suspect round two is going to be targeting the non-vaxxed after they get rid of their excess eaters. That that's what I suspect. And I know that sounds loopy, but so there how does is. the how does how are those of us who don't want to download uh, Mr. Global's operating system uh, or be sterilized? How how do we organize to prevent this? Well, I would say take a cue from from Peter's uh, dialogue that I did on my website. I'd say that number one. Number two, get to know your neighbors. Right? Can you you know? just go through and sit down and make a list of who you can trust, really trust and who right. you can't. Right. You know, there are certain people that I will trust all the way, but it's a very, very narrow circle. There are certain people I'll trust up to a point. Right. And that's a much wider circle, but get to know your neighbors. Um, if nothing else, your neighborhood is is going to be crucially important. You know, a few years ago, I, I mentioned I started waving to my neighbors when I take the dog out and they're passing up and down the street. Well, now everybody's used to the guy that waves. 
So one day, I'm, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm outside with Shiloh and a neighbor comes down the street and I look up and I wave and he stops his car, rolls down his window and introduces himself. Oh, wonderful. And we had a nice little conversation about, you know, neighborhood problems. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? So, you know, simple little things you can do just like that. And sooner or later, it's it's going to it's going to rebound. I think it's so I love living, you know, in Hickory Valley, we all wave to our neighbors and where I am yeah. in the Netherlands, we all wave. So I, I love I just think it's a wonderful ethic. It's a wonderful ethic and it, it helps introduce you to people. Right. You know, I've gotten to know I've gotten to know all my neighbors since I started this waving thing. I know I know their names. I know what they do. They know who I am. They know what I do, and so on and so forth. And and uh, that's what you need to start doing is is getting off the computer screen and building real human relationships. relationships. Okay. Question number nine: High tech risks. Um, what are the extremes risks generated by new technology? <laughs> You know, I'm I'm with Martin Luther King here. Our our technological savvy has grown way beyond our spiritual capacity to manage. Absolutely, it. absolutely. Um, uh, it's the technology, in a way, is driving everything. And it's when you're dealing with so-called technocrats that are incapable of any long-term strategic thought much less moral thought, then you've got a problem. It's not, it's not really the technology that's, that's the bad component here. It's the people managing right. it. Right. It's the absence of, of you know, we, we are not cultural, spiritually and culturally, we're not able to handle this technology. Well, culturally, culturally, we're in the position where scientists think that if they can do it, they should. Right. You know, and we never stop to ask the question, should we be doing this? Right. And my answer is no, we shouldn't be with a lot of this stuff. Well, one of the stories here is scientists create early embryos that are part human, part monkey. Yeah, I know. Nuts. Question Nuts, 10, totally. China and the Quad and the risks of war. Oh, boy. So here's the question. You know, what are the risks of war? Well, sadly, I think now the risks are very high for a variety of reasons. Um, firstly, you've got Mr. Globaloni and his constant prodding of the Russian bear, right? Uh, which you know is just plain stupid. There's no, there's, there's. If you stop and think of it, Catherine, there really isn't any reason that this country, not to mention Europe has to assume this anti-Russian attitude. There's really no good reason for it. Our interests are aligned in so many ways that if we would just allow allow that on the table, uh, it would defuse a lot of situations. Right. But if you if if Russia and the United States come into alignment, you're gonna have a blossoming of the Christian impulse. Yes, that's and that's that Mr. is exactly Globaloni. what Mr. Globaloni yeah. doesn't want. Doesn't want. Add to that India and its its sudden about phase regarding Pakistan and stationing more troops on the border with China. Uh, add to that 
the Japanese diplomatic moves over the, you know, largely under Shinzo Abe over the last few years. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see tensions weakening anytime soon. Let's put it that way. Uh, China is committed to Iran and on and on we could go. Right. Okay. Reengineering of U.S. government and global taxation and military. If you want to take the the sort of civil service or the operational functions of the U.S. government and the military and the taxation and move it global, how would you do it? Because they're clearly moving in that direction. The question mm -hmm. is, how are they doing? Part of it is they're trying to debase the brand. So I don't know if you saw the <laughs> RT story, BLM flags to fly at U.S. embassies. Yep. Then, um, you know, trying to argue that the president shouldn't have the nuclear football. It should be in a yeah. committee. <laughs> yeah. They probably didn't tell us Kissinger was going to be on the committee. But so so you have all these moves to globalize. How are they going to try and do this? Well, I think I think the crucial thing there is that <coughs> is that nuclear football committee, because they've got to they've got us to assert control, particularly with the USA looking like it's cracking up. Right. I think I think that's one reason for this whole committee idea in the first place. And the other thing about the committee is, is if Russia or China or whoever that has nuclear weapons, India, uh, realizes that they're dealing with a an american nuclear football that no one really knows who has command of it uh that you're less likely to do some provocative moves on right. the world stage i think this is another reason for the football talk so they want the, so it's kind of the command structure they want to a be private secret. yeah they right. want the command structure to be secret right and i wouldn't be a bit surprised if this is a play to take the american nuclear arsenal out of uh, of the control structure of of america and, right. and literally they, they want to globalize, globalize it. it they want to globalize it that's how you globalize yeah. mm -hmm. globalize the money and you globalize the globalize the, the bombs. football right yep okay land and real estate what will happen to land and real estate as a result of changes underway what about <laughs> the existing energy model um Will energy delivered by wireless technology at low cost be implemented soon? On and on and on. Big changes are happening in real estate. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a play to get a hold of American farmland. Uh, I think there's a play to, as you pointed out, with with the uh, riots and and the opportunity zones. There's a play. To, you know they're going full tilt after the middle class you know which includes farmers and so on right. I, I think it's a big play um because for the bottom line is if they're gonna if they're going to bring in a global government they have to own a lot of land they have to have control over it they have to own it well they need an asset and they it's not an going to be oil so what's it going to be it's right. got to be food to me it's got to be food and if mm -hmm. you look at the Anglo-American Alliance, you know, when we did the food, the global mm -hmm. harvest, mm -hmm. you know, the Anglo-American Alliance is a food juggernaut. Mm -hmm. 
That's You've right. got Canada, New Zealand, Australia, the United right. States. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting. Britain's self-sufficiency on food dropped a lot when they entered the EU. Mm -hmm. And now after Brexit, I'm very interested to see if they, re, you know, they, they sort they of improved. it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they probably will. I think they probably will, but you know, I, I think they're. I think they've got to do the food, right? And and the secret committee with the football you mentioned, Henry Kissinger, will go back to I think it was nineteen seventy two or seventy one when he was still a, an advisor to President Nixon. He came out with that uh, National Security Council memorandum number two hundred where he specifically talks about food and oh, right, right, food, right, right, yes. Yeah, as, right. as, as the weapon. Well, if you look at what's been happening in China and Asia with yep. the, you know, there's a food war going on. Yep. Their yep. target, bio-warfare targets food. One of the things Corey Lynn did was she wrote a special, again, with our sponsorship on the, on the new lab out in Kansas. Did you see mm -hmm. that? That is truly frightening. Hold on just a second. Let me show this to you. Um, Where is the lab located? Hold on. Let me get the article up. Hold on. If it's where I think it is, it's going to be one of those. Oh, you know what moments. <laughs> Well, one of the things that scared me about this, uh, and the reason I asked her to do this, is, um, here we go. So USDA hitting food supply chain with cattle surveillance in a level four animal disease laboratory. So. Um, oh my. Yeah, this is a really good article. You know, she's great at deep diving these things. Um, let me see if I can find this. Okay. It's in Manhattan, Kansas, which uh, is right I next to the university. It. I, you know, what else is there? What else is Fort, there? Fort Riley. Yep. 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 Home, home of the Spanish flu outbreak. I yep. knew it. Yep. I knew now, it. Now here's what's scary. Look at this chart. Can you see the chart? Uh-huh. These are the 10 states with the most cattle. Yep. So, so you have moved this biolab right into the heart of the heartland where all the cattle are. Yep. Yep. Right so, in the center of it. Right. Oh so you're right in the center of 60% of the inventory. Holy cow. Yep. I don't know. Take a look at this article if you get a chance, because I will, you know, at the same time, they're, you know, they're trying to do this RFD, uh, RFID chip, yep. um, you know, to to basically make it easy to surveil all the cattle, all they're, the cattle. Yep. Right. Then they're putting in a bio warfare lab to help, you know, yeah. is it to kill all the cattle? Yeah. To get rid of all the cattle. Right. <laughs> It's really get rid of the cattle that get rid of the cattle that they don't have the operating system installed into. Yep. Right. And then we all have to buy their synthetic meat. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Unreal. That's when I become a vegetarian. 
<laughs> I probably won't be far behind you. I'll have to I'll have to learn to make vegetarian curry. <laughs> okay, moving right along. This is the one that baffles me. Who is Mr. Global? What is the governance structure on planet Earth? And what are the risk issues that are driving Mr. Global's actions? Can you believe it? We live on a planet. The whole thing's a mystery. And the whole thing's a mystery. Um, well, you know, you know what my take is. Mr. Globaloni is, is a network of people involved with international corporations, central banks, right. secret societies. Uh, We're basically talking about intergenerational capital yes. at a very high, very secret high. level. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, I have a member on my website that's been speculating on, on what he calls the trust, which is a really long-term intergenerational capital foundation, uh, you know, going back hundreds of years. And it's very interesting speculation he comes up with. And I, you know, the more, the more I think about it, the more I think that that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a very, very intergenerational long-term commitment of money of certain families of, of certain institutions, uh, the Vatican, secret societies, you know, so on and so forth. They're clearly uh, very scared about population yes. growth. Yes, they are. And the ability for the for the environment to handle it and the ability for the leadership to handle it. They're scared. Well, they're scared for one very simple reason. We outnumber them by millions. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And the other part of the fear is they know they know that their uh, tricks aren't working as effectively as they have in the past. So yeah. Well, but it's not. I here's the thing because I've I've run into people who operate near or close to the top and are deeply frustrated by their inability to to build constituencies for responsibility. Right. And, and it's sincere, and they are clearly frustrated by it. And part of it is because you can't build systems for responsibility. And the whole reason I was working on place-based economics was to build that bottom-up responsibility. Right. The problem is it gets in the way of secrecy. Right. So... There's a huge hypocrisy in this thing. You have lots of enlightened leadership that would like to see bottom-up responsibility, but they can't afford the the transparency that is required to do it to get it to work. Right. And yeah, so they've you, built, yeah, they built a whole system on secrecy for for hundreds of years. Right. And it's it's in a certain sense it's running out of steam. Well, the question is, how do you get out of that secrecy mm -hmm. in a way that is effective and can really work? It's not easy to do. So right. I remember being told, and I believe it's probably true, that a large group of people went off and tried to figure out how you could end the, a lot of the secrecy, and they just couldn't figure out a way through the legal liabilities and gave up. 
So I don't know. I just I just think I just think getting out of the mess we're in is harder. Because it's it's not like you have a king who has dictatorial control. Right. right? Um, well, I think uh, this this is part of what I mean by owning the culture, because part of that, in my opinion, involves the necessity of going back and looking at the going back for centuries and looking at the evolution of Western jurisprudence. Right. To see where the missteps were made. The biggest misstep, in my opinion, was this whole notion of of collective guilt which in turn feeds into the very earliest ways that law was trying to deal with corporations. Uh, that law goes back to the Middle Ages. And unless we're willing to confront the steps along the way, we're never going to get out of this secrecy culture. So part, well, of, the it, other part thing... of it is a work for some good, some good legal philosophers. Right. The, the, you have to have a system where the law cannot be dominated by money and finance. Right. And right. where finance cannot be allowed to become a much greater portion of the economy than is necessary. Right. So finance and money and the financial system have to be put back in the box. And, you know, the so we're, but we're going the opposite way. We're letting them completely take over and control right. and destroy. And so, you know, that's the question. How do we get money and finance back to where it belongs as a servant of society as opposed to, you know, a, a harvester and a controller? Right. It's, um, there's a new interview that Planet Lockdown did of a Bishop Schneider for 15 minutes. I don't know if you've seen it. It's fabulous. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, this guy just basically describes the whole last year and a half, you know, it's like wow, a real bishop. <laughs> Aren't they're they're a rarity. I gotta yeah, tell you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, question number fourteen. Hi, strangers. Which is stranger? What is going on behind the veil of secrecy, or the overwhelming effort to pretend it's not going on and to create an official reality <laughs> diverging steadily from reality? Well, if you're asking me that question, I'd say it's the overwhelming effort to pretend <laughs> that it's not going on. Um, All you know, I remember, this, remember Richard Dolan stirring the t telling the the general telling Richard Dolan this. You know, trust me, you don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, and you know, he's probably right. We probably don't want to know what <laughs> what what the reality is. But um, to me, it's to me, it's the pretend the the pretend part of it. We're in a pretend culture everywhere, Catherine. And it's no wonder that none of our solutions work because the, the the pretense has to be ripped off before you can do anything. Right. You know, stop stop again. Just think of that interview with Peter that I did. Well, there was there's there's no pretense there. Right. It's it's, it's a, a totally authentic yeah. conversation between two people about reality. Right. 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 There's there's not a bit of pretense and and unfortunately most americans are are still living in this world of pretense oh we're the shining city on the hill we're the exceptional nation and i think part of that catherine is americans have it in their mind that america is not subject to the law of all empires 
Well, but I also think it's because they haven't gone and seen, you know, they haven't ridden on a Chinese high-speed train. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, America has fallen steadily further and oh. further behind. And in many areas, we're a third world country. Oh, it's yeah, just infrastructure alone. Right. In this country, compare it to Europe. Yep. You know, and we're we're dealing we're dealing with an air traffic control system that's not up to date. We're dealing with electrical grids that are not up to date. You know, on and on this goes well, because we gotta buy two billion dollar airplanes. You know, we had a real big dust up in Europe because four British Airway pilots suddenly died. Yeah, I saw that. And were, you know, they refused to say that they were vaccinated. Uh -huh. But you know, there's a warning on the CDC site that when you fly, you're prone to blood clots. Yep. So injecting pilots with things that tear away your vascular walls and call blood shot, uh, cause blood clots at the same time flying causes blood clots, that's not a very good idea. No. And I can't tell you how many people have said to me, you know, I don't want to fly. Oh, listen, I, I these days I won't. Right. You know me, I don't fly, but no way i i have a friend who's a member of of my website who is a pilot that told me about listening to air traffic controllers in the last year and you know we're hearing all of these weird stories of people's behavior that have had these vaccines and the air traffic control conversations that they've listened to these controllers are literally out to lunch really uh, some of them are literally out to lunch oh my god yeah stop and think about that and now add to that american airlines canceling flights because they're getting all sorts of of um sick calls well they they tried to say that it had nothing to do with vaccinations but i don't of believe course that not. right yeah i don't believe it right. for a moment. i don't believe it they're having all sorts of sick calls and then add on top of this, you have United Airlines wanting to uh, wokeify <laughs> their 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 pilot staff, and add to that air traffic controllers that are being wokeified. And pretty soon, you know, we're going to have situations where airplanes are falling out of the sky simply due to incompetence. Right. Uh, it's unbelievable. It, and, it is you know, unbelievable. I, I, and and you know i i was warning about this catherine catherine back when i was teaching college that if the educational standards in this country keep going the way they're going we will be a third world nation we will not be able to make an airplane much less repair an airplane right. much less fly it from point a to b without incident right and it's going on all the time right it's scary it's very um, scary and speaking of scary Question 15, demonic intelligence. Given the tsunami of occult and demonic practices and symbols, how concerned should we be about interaction between AI and interdimensional intelligence? I think very. 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 And in fact, I think one of the goals of AI, one of the reasons for AI is because the interdimensional intelligence wants to be able to manipulate from another dimension. I do too. Uh, Elon Musk raised that right. that point quite right. a few years ago, right? And I think I think it's I think it's absolutely a possibility because, like it or not, digital 
systems are binary systems. Right. And that's kind of stinking thinking coming from you know who. Right. Uh, human intelligence doesn't ultimately doesn't think in a binary way at all. Right. If you really get down to right. it. Right. So yeah. Um, I think there's a big danger of that. And this relates to question 16, the war on the divine. You know, so we talked about that uh, in the war on God, which was story 11. But I, you know, there's a lot of speculation about whether the COVID-19 injections are designed to remove, quote unquote, the God particle. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some real issues of this attack on the pineal gland and, and sort of our spiritual capacity. I don't I understand. Do yeah, I do too. Um, you know, there there does seem to be some sort of uh, religious agenda to all of this. <laughs> um, and can you imagine the Pope is pushing the mark of yes. the beast? Yeah, I know. We have the Pope pushing the mark of the beast. It's yeah. just mind-boggling to me. It, it, it's mind-boggling that you would have any pope coming out saying it's okay to get COVID vaccines when they know right. that there's aborted fetal tissue cells in some of those vaccines. Right. Um, this is not the Roman Catholic Church that I remember as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's okay. not Pius XII anymore, folks. Question 17 <laughs> Education is moving education online using COVID nineteen a step to privatization, and a corporate yep. takeover of education, or does it reflect a concern on how to manage and educate orphans if predictions about future deaths and disability related to the injections come true? Uh, D. All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So one of the things I think is going to be interesting in education is how all these unbelievably expensive college infrastructures are going to survive. They won't. They won't. Especially, especially when, when parents wake up and realize that why am I paying $250,000 to get my kid an education in wokeism at Harvard when I can spend $20,000 and send them to local community college or have them privately tutored. Right. You know, I, I think what you're going to see is a huge underground education movement starting. Right. Um, and it's it's going to be one-on-one, -on -one, you know, face-to-face -face human contact classroom stuff. Well, I want you to keep an eye out for colleges going bankrupts because oh, yeah. I'm looking to pick up a campus. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I'm looking for something that can be a university and a church and a library. Think of the library. A library. Of, think of a library of Alexandria with a cathedral and and a university. Well, what you're talking about essentially is Oxford. The way it used to be before right. it started getting all this wokeism. Um, yeah. There, there's no substitute for it. Yeah, I'll keep my eyes open for. for but I would, campus. I would have the center of it be the library. I would literally create a library of Alexandria kind of thing, all hard copy. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Um, Just do me a favor. Insist that the faculty use 
the Chicago manual style for footnotes. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I will. <laughs> okay. Plague laws. You know, I discovered this wonderful chapter in The Edge of the World by Michael Pye, where yep. it turns out there is a remarkable historical hundred-year cycle. You have a plague. You uh -huh. use plague laws to centralize capital. Then you move the reserve yep. currency. <laughs> yep. Here we go again. I read that chapter. I got Isn't that, that amazing? It is. It's like, oh, wow. The, <laughs> the people behind the COVID plan scandemic read this book. So yeah. I think this has been going on for centuries. I don't, I think I this too. is an old playbook. And what yep. I'm dreaming of, and I'm just going to say this to everybody, just keep sending this out. I want a graduate student, you know, some brilliant PhD student in history or in economics decide to make this his thesis research. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'd add I'd add my own two cents to that. Start with Venice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche, touche. Um, you know, I did tell you, I did tell you my one meeting with an old Venetian member of the Venetian nobility, uh -huh. who I have to say, I thought was one of the most intelligent, enlightened people I've ever met in my life. I thought he was extraordinary. But we were walking down the street in Venice, he was giving me a little tour. And uh, he turned to me. And he said, you know, there are only 27,000 of us from the old families left. Mm -hmm. And he said, we can't live here because it's like being Mi Mickey Mouse in Disney World. Mm -hmm. On any given day, there are 150,000 American tourists. Mm -hmm. And Joseph, he looked so sad. He'd been run out by American tourists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not easy being Venetian nobility. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but I remember thinking, you know, it would be, it, we would be lucky if such a guy was willing to govern us, but he, he had family responsibilities. Okay, question number 19, down under. Why have the Australian and New Zealand lockdowns been so brutal? What does it have to do with Pine Gap and Antarctica? You know, I have to I, tell you, the Australian lockdowns have shocked me deeply. I, Catherine, I'm in the same boat. I cannot understand what, why. And, and what the rationale is. In fact, someone just sent me a cartoon. And it was a map of Australia and the, and the provinces or states in Australia. And the provinces were not labeled New South Wales and so on. They were labeled cell block A, cell block right. B. And I thought, boy, that says it all. I can't figure it out either. And it's, it's got... It, it has nothing to do with COVID, as far as I can tell. There's some other real Well, they reason. have a real problem managing. You know, Australia is a huge country. It's the size yeah. of the United States with 24 million people. Yeah. And if you look at Asia, you know, there are millions of people who would love to move in. Right. And many of them are Chinese. And right. how are you going to manage the politics of that? It's very dangerous. Yeah. And... I don't know if you've ever seen the TV program Pine Gap. I don't recommend it, but it shows you the tensions of navigating between the American 
security system and the Chinese. So, -hmm. you know, their borders are closed. You can't go in or out. If you're Australian, you can't get in, you can't get out. It's unbelievable. Um, I really wonder, because the the strictest lockdowns were down in Melbourne and Victoria, Mm -hmm. you know, as close as you can get there to Antarctica. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I just can't. You know, Pine Gap is clearly a very powerful and important installation, but mm-hmm. I think it relates to Pine Gap and Antarctica, but I can't figure it out. And I would never have guessed that this would be the, you know, who thought Florida would be, a, you know, the bastion of freedom and 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 Australia would be completely. Oh, yeah, it, it, it baffles me because it's so out of character for Australia and, and the Australians I've known in my life. Right. I mean, it's just totally out of character. Right. And I, I'm with you. There's another explanation for it. And hey, Antarctica may be it. I don't know. Because there's so much strangeness going on with that place. Um, I, I don't know. I'm baffled. I am totally baffled by it. Well, it's a population control. And the question is, right. are they worried about who's who? I, again, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. You know, the policy is coming from somewhere. And I, and in all honesty, I don't think all of, all of the uh, decision making is coming out of Canberra and no, and no place else. Well, interestingly enough, Jason Bowden Smith for many years has believed that Mr. Global lives in Australia, which is possible. Yeah, totally. You know, and that could be part of it. Yeah. Um, okay, question number 20 AI and machine enforcement. When are robotics and automation going to go up the S-curve? Will the defund the police movement turn out to be an install robot and drone police wave? Doff my hat because I'm so glad that you mentioned that. That's kind of what I've been thinking, particularly particularly with the drone business. Right. That's kind of what I've been thinking. And it, it, it makes a certain amount of sense to have that kind of AI robotized police force in certain cities where things have just utterly broken down. Right. Uh, and I think that's by design. They're, they're trying to push it. Right. Um, I, I can tell you, I don't think it will ever float here where I'm at. Well, here's the thing um, that the, you know, the Bolsheviks, as soon as they got in control, they, they defunded the police and emptied the prisons. Yep. It's an old tactic. It's an old tactic. Right. Question 21, the climate change op. Can the COVID-19 to climate change bait and switch really work? (laughs) Now, I have to say this because it just irritates me so much. Why is Biden appointed a climate change czar who has the carbon footprint of a panzer division? (laughs) That was one of our news trends and stories team that came up with that expression. I was laughing for days. When will the energy cost of crypto and blockchain systems, as well as F-35 and military actives, become appreciated? Yeah, exactly. Right. I, this is, I'm, I'm, <laughs> go ahead. I don't know what to say. This one is so bad that, uh, you know, and they're going to try and, and tear us apart with the carbon credit thing. So we we want to do we're doing this wrap up on the CBDCs and the uh, the next wrap up is going to be in the vaccine passports. But then I have to I have to deep dive the climate change 
it's an op and it's been an op from the get-go right Catherine I I, I get so frustrated with it because <laughs> I, I, I I you know I was alive in the 1970s when they had Earth Day in all the schools right. remember that yeah I do remember it and we were we were literally spoon-fed all day long about how the world is going to freeze in the next 10 years and I, yeah there's a coming ice age folks there's nothing we can do about it and it's all due to cow farts <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and then you know magically overnight it changed to global warming and we're all going to burn we're all going to burn to death because of cow farts <laughs> And, and now, you know, it's climate change, which is the most absurd overgeneralization. The climate is always changing, right? The climate is always changing because of cow farts. <laughs> I mean, Catherine, you could not make up a more nonsensical narrative. I told you. And yet... <laughs> <laughs> One of the funniest times I've ever had, there's this fabulous Sherman scientist that Ulrich Groniger introduced me to. And we were in Umbria in Italy, and we had this charming, wonderful lunch in a beautiful little restaurant. And this guy turned out to be the world's leading expert on the carbon usage of all military activities, including F-35. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and he could do the, you know, I mean, he was a genius, but he could do the comparisons with the cows. <laughs> you know, like one F 35 <laughs> an hour. It's like a million cows. <laughs> All farting. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just absurd. See, this, uh, I, is I why, this is why the city of London wanted to get rid of the German scientists or control them or own them. Because, <laughs> because they put a big dent in the narrative. <laughs> I don't know. And, well, you know leave, it, and, leave it to the Germans. <laughs> you know, instead we have Kerry running around in his private planes lecturing us on why we have to cut back. <laughs> I know it's it's you know I, I the hypocrisy of it of these people just just it, I, I don't know where to begin it's such <laughs> nonsense and you know if we're if we're talking about climate change well then quit monkeying around with the damned ionosphere I know so so if you look at what they're doing to the if you look at what they're doing to the climate it's just unbelievable yeah uh, and it's but you know it's it's not harp ladies and gentlemen it's cow farts <laughs> <laughs> well you know i i'll never forget i read one book um it's the woman who wrote annie jacobson who wrote the the book on operation play paperclip a lot of times i read her books there's a lot of good nuggets in them and and the one she did i think it was on darpa had a whole history of nuclear testing oh yeah and if you think, I mean, it's frightening, you know, the environmental impact of what they've done with nuclear testing. And, yes, I know. you know, it's almost a miracle we're all standing. And when you read what they've done with nuclear testing and you think instead that they're going to say it's cow farts, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like in the Ellis Metavoy interviews, he talks about, you know, the fact that the 
Remember that big blackout that the whole East Coast ran out, you know, mm -hmm. took down the energy and they explained it by saying an ear, a deer ate a wire. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. Oh, God. Okay. Um, question 22, uh, the sun cycles. What is happening to the sun? Are we ending into a period of diminished sunspot activity? So, you know, if you look at the history of the stock market and the economy with sunspots, you know, it's a very, oh, yes. very real correlation. And um, Ben Davidson and some of the other people who follow this really believe we're going into a period of diminished activity, which means, you know, there is an economic issue of how you're going to support a population this big in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to go even further off the end of the twig. Uh -huh. here <laughs> because. Get your parachutes, I, 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 get your parachutes, get your, get your parachutes, folks. <laughs> I really do think that they're tinkering with the sun. That's possible. Remember when they sent a nuclear, well, they sent a nuclear bomb and had a nuclear explosion on the moon. Right. But there's been funny business going on in the sun and I don't understand what it is. I think, I think it's, it's the earth's magnetosphere touches the sun. Right. Okay. So if you're playing around with the ionosphere, which is like playing around with the magnetosphere, right? if you are building enormously powerful magnets in fusion reactors or large hadron colliders or what have you, right. you're going to affect the Earth's magnetosphere. Right. Systems are open systems, not closed. Right, exactly. And I think I think there is a very real possibility that they are deliberately trying to create magnetic resonance effects in the sun itself. Wow. Uh, and and uh, yeah, and I think the reason they're doing that is, like I said in those secret space program talks that I did, that if you can demonstrate an ability to engineer systems on a stellar scale right that's going to give whoever may be out there a little pause to think twice before messing around right i think quite literally that this is a possibility that may be well, going you on. know it's interesting because star wars the latest star wars movie i think it was the latest envisions societies that destroy planets oh yeah yeah yeah, and suns. Right. So yeah, I I think you're you're looking at that possibility here. Um, and if you can, you know, I I go to the fundamental precept about weather and weather warfare manipulation. Weather systems are contrary to what you learn in school. Weather systems are largely electromagnetic in nature. Right. So if you can play around with those systems, you can you can engineer systems on planetary scale. And playing around with the weather means ultimately you've got to get a handle on the sun's influence on the weather. Well, my understanding is the 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 uh, magnetism in the field is diminishing. Yes. Yeah, the Earth, the Earth's magnetic field is diminishing, and many scientists believe that that's a precursor to magnetic field shifts, polar shifts. Right. 
So the North Pole becomes the South Pole, and the South Pole becomes the North Right, and Skidmore's pole. been looking at the cycle of major mm -hmm. disaster. You know, he does a lot with disaster economics. And mm -hmm. there is this cycle of every 10,000 or so years, a major... Right. A major pole shift. Right. Uh, the North the North Pole has been wandering and weakening uh, over the last few years. And again, I think that's, again, open system. It's tied to solar activity somehow. So if you're Australia, could one uh -huh. explanation of their lockdown be concern about sure. the pole shifting? Sure. Yeah. Right. If if the magnetic pole shifts, um, basic systems have to be completely re-engineered. Right. I mean, just think think of your compass. It's just a little pocket compass. You know, if all of a sudden the North Pole's down there. Well, imagine <laughs> you know. if you thought you were in danger of something like that happening. Would you come up with a COVID-19 pandemic to get everybody to you know, to dramatically reduce the the people flying around in the sky or moving around on the planet? Sure. Sure. Right. Okay, yeah. question 23, geophysical risks. Does Earth have a three-body problem? Why is there a pattern of civilization destruction 10,000 years ago? I just finished reading, I don't know, it was I think it was late last year, The Three-Body Problem. Do you know the book? I've heard about the book. I've not read it. So describe what he's calling the three-body problem, because I think people would be interested to know. So I put a little um, video in the book review that I did of it, and it's basically mm -hmm. when you have a relationship between your and related planets such that you cannot predict um, instability. So... Right. Um, you know, you you cannot predict the behavior of the planets and their relationship to each other in a way that really can threaten the viability of your society. Right. And it's um. You know, so this this is a one of the most famous science fiction books to come out of out of uh, China, and it's a it's the first Asian novel to win the Hugo Award for best novel. And interestingly enough, the guy translated is also a Hugo Award winner. And mm -hmm. I have to tell you, it's one of the most deeply depressing books I've ever read. It, Why is that? Because you're looking at a society which is so insecure. Because its future is so uncertain. And they're trying to find a way to deal with this effectively so that they don't keep getting wiped every, mm -hmm. you know, every such and such years. And you wonder, given our pattern of every 10,000 years, is is this really about something we're dealing with? We haven't found a way to build a society that can endure through these cycles. I think so, to a certain degree. And the reason I think so is I go back to those Babylonian and Egyptian texts right. about astrology. Right. Because what they will tell you is that they were based on observations. Their, their astrological uh -huh. science, so to speak, were based on observations taken over thousands of years. So in other words, 
you have a claim right there to an empirical science or an empirical basis for what they were calling astrology. And it's very interesting that the kind of, of astrology that they practiced was not the kind of astrology that you get in the little books in the grocery store uh -huh. aisle where they're talking about individual predictions because most of ancient astrology would be what a modern astrologer would call a mundane horoscope. In other words, they were horoscopes cast for the king, but the king in their thinking was the representative of a body of people. So in other words, you're dealing with a statistical aggregate rather than an individual person as such for their predictions. So yeah, the way, the way ancient astrology texts read to me is very similar to what this guy is getting at with the three-body problem. How do we construct a durable society right. that can endure these types of cyclical catastrophes that seem to occur? Um, so if you thought this, you were in danger of one of these soon. Yeah. Wouldn't that explain the desire to dramatically reduce the fertility rate? It could, yes, it could. In other words, if you if you thought that you were facing this kind of event, uh, you would you would justify all sorts of insane actions, right? As as a means of policy to try and get through it, right? Uh, it just my problem with that kind of thinking, and there are a lot of people that hold to that view. My my problem with that kind of thinking is you're basically cutting your own throat because you know some of those people that you're trying to get rid of might be the pe very people that have the solution to the problem. Right, right. You know this this is the problem with it. Well, uh, secrecy always lowers the learning speed. Right, and right. there you go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always said, tell everybody the truth, and if it scares some to death, then those are the people, you know, better right. the people you, you keep are the ones who can deal with it. Okay, right. question 24, the vision thing. What are the supporting facts and arguments for optimism? Well, I think we've covered it a lot in what we've said, because it's looking to me like Mr. Globaloni is making egregious mistakes. His narratives are not working as smoothly as they'd like. Um, they're still a long way off from putting into, into place their, their unipolar world. In fact, there's a lot uh, mitigating against that even happening right now. So I'm, I'm very optimistic over the long term that none of this is going to work. Um, it, for the very simple reason it's anti-human. Right. And human nature. Well, it's more than anti-human, it's anti-life. It's anti-life, right. right? And I think there's a built-in mechanism in the universe that is self-correcting whenever humanity gets these highfalutin ideas. It self-corrects. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very serious about. Oh, that. I know, I know, I know. The you know we need we need to get rid of the hubris. Yes. We need to get rid of the hubris. Question yes. twenty-five, last unanswered question. The road ahead. What is most on the minds of members of Giza Death Star and the Slayer Report subscribers? What can we do this year to help improve the learning speeds in our shared intelligence networks? Well, again, I think what's most on my, on my members' 
is is what do we do about this and i think even more in the last three months that's kind of clarified itself to how do we deal with all the lies how do we pierce through that veil one of the things i loved about the conversation with peter mm -hmm. was you were listening to two people who were not on the couch being entertained by QAnon. <laughs> you know, yes. they they got the they got the realization that the next presidential campaign was not going to help. There was nobody in the pro centralization team that could help, right. but we could help ourselves. Right. I'm so glad that you want to talk about QAnon because. I want to talk about Martin Luther. Oh, good. <laughs> I was just talking about Martin Luther in connection with starting a university. Well, during the during the Reformation, you had um, you had all of these radical sects. I don't know what else to call them that were all expecting the end, and it's. <laughs> It's right around the corner, <laughs> you know. So let's all pack ourselves into Mohaus, Germany, and live the apostolic propertyless life. And, and, <laughs> and of course, Luther was having none of it. <laughs> and his attitude, and it's, it's a famous quotation that I'm going to get very mangled. But his response to all of this expect, expectation of the apocalypse and the end, his response is, well, if that's the case, then I am going to be busy about planting a tree. Right. So in other words, turn off the fear porn and get busy and do something positive. Well, I would say it this way. Speak life into your situation. Right. 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 Yeah. So there's an old story of St. Francis in the middle of winter sitting in front of the almond tree. Mm -hmm. And he says, he says, God, show me your face and the almond tree blossoms. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So, so that's the thing. Get busy speaking life into your situation. And he took that business about preaching the, the, go the gospel to all creatures very literally. Right. <laughs> Well, my favorite, one of my favorite moments, Carolyn Casey had a radio show in Washington. And when Senator Byrd was filibustering to try and stop the war in Iraq, he mm -hmm. threw up his hands and he said, I might as well be speaking to the ocean. And Caroline Casey said, Senator Byrd, what a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. What a great idea. Okay, so very quickly... Let's just go to our last section, take action and inspiration. And we've listed a whole bunch of take actions. We've listed our heroes for the year. We've put a lot of information about local finance. You know, I got to tell you, the news trends and stories team is just, they just keep getting better. So what I want to do, I want to do share screen and, and I want to show you our favorite top video in the take action and inspiration section. So let me let me go up. 
Have you seen Leadership from a Dancing Guy yet? No. Okay, so we're going to watch this. <laughs> yep. Yep, there you go. Yeah, too true. <laughs> and wow, all of that in what, three minutes? <laughs> Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's all that needs to be done, really. Right. I Just know. Just get out there and do it. You know, I Just keep telling it. people it doesn't take it doesn't it only takes five to ten percent. That's right. It only takes five to ten percent. Yeah, especially, look at the American Revolution. Absolutely. Especially if they're all using cash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Joseph, this as always, has been a deeply gratifying experience. So well, thanks for having me back. I hope it has been. Any uh, any other thoughts other than I miss you? Well, I <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was thinking about that today. That you know, when we were doing these in the kitchen, it was. I don't know. It was it was different and more 
I don't know, somehow more immediate, but um, no, I don't have any really final thoughts other than, again, to suggest people go on onto my website and look at that dialogue with Peter and what his groups that he's a part of are doing because they've thought this out very, very, very well. well. We know in the yeah. first quarter wrap up, we we focused on the circles, and we're bringing up yes. we're bringing up connect uh, dot We're prototyping it. It's mm -hmm. a open source social media platform, but it means people Solaris report subscribers can start circles for their places. And so we just had a meeting of all the Swiss subscribers. We have a new leader. We appoint mm -hmm. a leader, and then the the people in that area can join. So we mm -hmm. have about four going and we're just testing and prototyping and then we hope by the end of the summer all the subscribers will be invited in and can start you know i've i wanted people to meet personally in person because you know i don't trust the online systems but uh i finally realized as a logistical matter they can't do it without this right. kind of support so right. this is a way to sort of find each other and find out how to get going but then uh get going place by place well speaking of missing me are you ever going to be able to come back to this country well are i hope so i hope so my assessment right now is my concern is if i came back i would have trouble getting back getting getting back yeah. to europe so so my concern is i want to make sure i'm as productive as possible day to day to day right now i'm phenomenally productive here mm -hmm. and um and I'm very concerned about the kind of, you know, I had started to deal with physical harassment again in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not in the mood to deal with it. Right. Um, right. I'm just not in the mood to deal with it. So my concern would be coming back. Right. And Right. Well, I know a lot of people over here are missing you. I'm sure that your uh, members are missing the Solari luncheons and and so on well we're going to start doing some even if i can't be there so you know we have a couple people now in the memphis area and uh on the solari team and so i want to have one in memphis so that they can just meet each other because the most fun people have are not meeting me it's meeting each other and finding right. the other pe people in their places right. so we're going to start picking up on the events if we can um because I think I think people really, you know, there's nothing more fun than when people meet each other. Right, right, right. And taking action. No. Okay. <laughs> well, one well, action we need is to give you a break. So thank you, Joseph. This well, has been great. <laughs> well, thank you for having me back on. We'll see you in three months. <laughs> I'll see you in three. You know, we're going to be doing the passports. This one is CBDCs, and again, I want to, you know. You're going to, have you read the Going Direct yet? No, I oh. haven't received it. Okay, so no, we, we haven't shipped it. We'll ship it from the printer either late this week or early next okay. week, but we'll head it. And we're going to print, we have a printer in the U.S. and the United States because we just, the mailing times, you know, it's a real struggle to get mm -hmm. these mailed. We mailed the injection fraud to Australia. It's been a year and they still haven't gotten through. Well, you know what we did? We may, I won't, I won't say where, but we found a business where we could ship, we could FedEx a whole box, and then they turned around and mailed internally, and they finally got through. Oh wow! Yeah, but uh, but somewhere there's every subscriber in Australia, New Zealand, 
you know, there's a warehouse somewhere they're sitting and, and, you know, another one may come through. Talk about censorship. Oh, it's, un word. no, it's unbelievable. The, the, we shipped a whole, um, which one was it? I guess it was injection fraud. We shipped uh, from the Netherlands. We mailed them one by one. So each was mailed individually from the Netherlands to the United States. And after three months, not one had arrived. And so we did a new print. We yeah, FedExed the boxes to the US. We mailed them individually from the US. And then after they started to arrive, like the next day, the ones that's, you know, somebody had put them in a NATO warehouse is what I figured. Yeah, probably yeah. so, because I did get two copies and they were within two or three days of each that's other. That's how they finally, wow. they let them out because, you know, we were doing a remailing. So we're, it's, you know, something, it's spiritual warfare. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. But it is. Um, but what it tells me is that they're effective. So yeah. anyway. Okay, so they wouldn't they wouldn't bother censoring you if it wasn't. We you only take flack if you're over the target. <laughs> so we will mail this to you from the United States. If you want more than one, just let us know. Let you know. Let me or Nita know how many you want. You can have as many as you want. So okay, I will do that. We're doing a big I'm, printing. I I gave a bunch of extra copies of some things of yours to some friends of mine. So just read. just tell, you know, do, would you like a box of State of Our Currency and a box of this? Oh, I'm I, don't happy. Have, I don't have enough people, be it at okay. most two extra copies, but not, not a whole box. Okay. Because I don't know that many people around here. I'm going to send but, you, yeah. I'm going to send you a couple. Do you want State of Our Currency and this or just this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No, no. Just, you know, I, I have a couple of friends that I give away copies of extras to. Okay. And I'm hoping that they're reading them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because the finance guys get them and they devour them. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really yeah. amazing to watch. But I know if you're not a financial person. Um, I, 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 I gave copies of some finance stuff, but I also gave copies of the injection fraud. Right. And uh, I'm hoping that they're circulating okay stirring thought well we'll see what happens okay yep joseph all right thank you much have a great day ladies and yep, gentlemen you thank you for joining us on the solari report and get to sleep i know it's late over there <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you Catherine. bye <laughs>